Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Welcome to Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. I'm not Tom Brenneman. Obviously, I'm Remouse. I'll be filling in today. It'll be a... What? What are we, Ham and Ager Show? Ham and Ager Show? It's a beautiful day to drink UDF coffee, hydrate with Pawnee water, get your technology solutions from Encore, from Encore. and bet with Betfred. That's right. But it's an even beautiful, more beautifuler day because the Reds play the Cubs at Wrigley Field tonight. An important game. No guest on the show today, but we are going to talk about a lot of things, mostly being that the Reds just dominated the Dodgers in a two out of three win series over uh, in the City of Angels. Um, also, we've heard good news about Joe Burrow's calf strain, grade one. So it's good news for, I mean, what a heart attack that was last week. All of us Bengals fans just collectively holding our breath. But you'll see a group of rotating hosts this week, and that is because Tom's going to be out till next Tuesday. So a few programming notes is there will be no secondary shows, no not too picky, no box lunch this week. And then later on in this week, it'll quite literally just be Paul and Casey on the show, Wednesday through Friday, them two carrying six hours of content. How excited are you guys for that one? Uh, yeah, so so a little, little preview on this one, a little inside baseball. We have uh, Zach Fries coming on Wednesday, right? Yep, so he's going to sit in one of these chairs. I don't know which chair it'll be, but he will be in one of these chairs to help Paul and Casey. But Thursday and Friday, it'll just be Paul and Casey. Yeah, so Thursday we're going to have Tracy Jones, and then Friday maybe we get a little Mac on the mic situation or – Oh, we don't know. We got five days to plan it. I guess it'll probably depend a little bit on the Reds, too. And uh, I'll pull some strings for some guests. And then Monday and Tuesday, Tom's not back till next Wednesday. It's so. next Wednesday, not next Tuesday. Next on, the, on the calendar, it says Tuesday. But you're right. He did say He's next out week. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah he'll be back Tuesday. Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, so we, we still we got uh, seven shows left yep. to, to get through this. Yeah, Tom's on vacation. And then actually the week after he comes back, he's going to take a few more days off because he's got to move his – his kids into college, and then you get Tom for the whole fall. So it'll be good. <laughs> it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, guys, let's dive right in. The Reds take two of three from the Los Angeles Dodgers, winning the rubber match yesterday, nine to nothing. Graham Ashcraft goes six scoreless, um, and he's been a bright spot on this rotation recently. He has thrown, I believe, 29 and a third innings pitched over his last six starts. He's given up six earned runs. He struck out 17. He's been very, very sharp. In a rotation that we have been wondering who's going to step up, Graham Ashcraft has taken that podium. Um, you got homers from Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, and Joey Votto. Votto still bangs. When did it become just an automatic series win for the Reds going into L.A.? I don't know when the, when the switch happened. And again, we were talking about this a little bit before the show. The Reds lucked out with the pitchers, right? They had, they, I mean, respectfully to those Dodgers pitchers, they're scrubs. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but those guys suck. The Reds got very lucky, but when you go into L.A. and you win two or three, and then the last game you win nine to nothing, it does say something, right? A lot of teams can't do that against Los Angeles. So I don't know, I don't know when the tides shifted, but I'm happy. I'm happy that the Reds have taken business against quite literally everybody except for the Brewers. They have dominated the entire league. Except, and the Pirates. Except for Milwaukee in one, one series against the Pirates. You know, it's funny about you saying that is we talk so much about the Cubs and how they have a positive, such a crazy positive run differential and how the Cubs have played pretty well this year except for when they get swept. 
And then you look at the Reds and you say to yourself, well, they've played really well, except when they played the, play the Brewers. Yeah, we were just um, talking about the the Cubs a little bit because, you know, the Cubs have sucked for a lot of this year. And, and the reason is because is they've – I don't know what their series win losses, but it feels like the only time they ever lose a series is when they get swept. And I was looking it up just to just to preview the the four game matchup that the Reds have against the the Cubs here. The Cubs have a better team ERA than the Brewers. They have almost the exact same OPS as the Reds, which would be the best in the NL Central, and they have the third best run differential in the National League. So when they lose, they just get swept, and when they win, they win nine nothing like the Reds did yesterday. Speaking of that four-game series, they'll take on the Chicago Cubs, who come off winning 10 of 12 games. They've won six of their last seven series. They made the news this past weekend that they're going to buy. I'm not going to have an opinion on that because it seems pretty evident that they should have sold. But if they're going to do it, just do the damn thing. Why not? The Reds go into Wrigley Field for the first time since Memorial Day weekend when they got a three-game series, which was absolutely the lowest point of my entire life back, uh, back in May. But, guys, does this series fit up there with the, the Brewers series, or is it below all those series that we kept hyping? This is the best series that the Reds have played in years. This is the best series. This is below that, right? It's not even close. I don't even think it's remotely close. The Brewers are – it's a two-team two race right now in the NL Central. I don't think the Cubs should even be mentioned with the Reds and the, and the Brewers. So – I, I think this series is so far below everything. I don't even. I'm concerned the Reds won't get up for it. That's how small this series means to the season. I'm gonna zag. Genuinely, I'm 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 I'm, I'm a little worried. Sorry. I'm a little worried. I'm gonna zag on that because I, I was thinking about this this morning, sitting there eating my breakfast, getting ready to. What'd you, you have? Know. What? What'd you have? I had a uh, cereal. I'm a cereal guy. Every morning. I know you have cereal almost every morning. Every morning. Lucky Charms. Every morning. No, I rotate Fruit Loops today. Okay. Just get a little sugar in me, kind of get ready, you know. Sitting there, making my little drink here. I'm thinking to myself, we've talked so much about the Brewers this year. Every time, this, the three series in July. The Brewers, the Brewers, the Brewers, the Brewers. And I was sitting there, I was looking at the standings, and I'm thinking to myself, this team isn't very good, but they're okay. They've won a bunch of series now in a row. They haven't played great teams. I'm talking about the Cubs. Mm -hmm. The Reds, they lose this series. God forbid they get swept. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm just saying, boom, it's a three-team race. I'm not going to say it's uh, more important than those Brewers series, but the Brewers series to me just didn't feel big because I had zero expectations for them. For some reason, you just you saw the writing on the wall. You just knew that the Reds were not going to play well in those series. This series to me feels a little different because this is a series over the trade deadline where the Cubs are clearly talking about making moves. We'll know by first pitch today whether they make those moves or not. But this series is happening over the trade deadline in a, in a, in a, in a juncture in the season where if the Cubs play really well this week, win three out of four or go 4-0 and against the Reds this week, then boom, you have an entirely different landscape of this division going into the final 55 games of the regular season whereas if the reds win three of four or sweep then they really just put the cubs out of contention yeah the cubs you're absolutely right if if the cubs don't win this series it seemingly looks like they'll be out of contention the reds play a favorable about 15 game matchup um i think 
The Brewers, their next 10 games are against the Nationals, the Pirates, and the Rockies. So those are 10 games that the Brewers should fare very well in. After the Cubs get off this four-game series against the Reds, they then go to Atlanta, they then play the Mets, they then play Toronto before winding up in the middle of August with a very favorable schedule. But it's a, it's a tough two-week gauntlet for the Chicago Cubs. But you're right. If the Reds have the ability to knock the Cubs, who just committed to, to, to buying and to, to try and winning this year, they have the ability against the ropes right now to knock them out of contention if they just win three or four. And in a weird way, it's almost like they're going for it. And like when you're talking about the Cubs buying, it's almost like they're buying for this series. It, it, it's not, but it, it right. kind of feels like that because this is such a critical series for the Cubs now where it's, it, it's hours after the trade deadline and you're trying to make some moves. You're trying to get back into this division race. You've gained some games in the last few weeks. You're playing as well as you have all season. You're kind of starting to put things together. And now all of a sudden you have to go out there and you got to prove it against the first place team in the division, which is what the Reds have been saying all year against the Brewers and they haven't been able to do it. Reds haven't seen the Cubs in a long time. Got to play the Cubs two more times this year. Uh, I I would say that that this is, I would say this is a very important series for the Reds. Just just for the peace of mind that if the Reds play well and and just get the Cubs out of this division race, because I, they're hanging around. Look, four games back on August first or July thirty first, you can't ignore that. So if the Reds can can take care of the Brewers here, or uh, sorry, of the Cubs. The Brewers do whatever they're doing. E train, you pointed out how easy the or yeah they Reed, got you you pointed they, out they the have Brewers the Nationals schedule. Nationals Pirates and uh, yeah Rockies coming up. So uh, I, I guess I just got a comment on this real quick. I didn't realize how red my skin was. Uh, and I probably wearing the red shirt didn't didn't really help. Yeah, so I went to the pool yesterday. Um, I did fall asleep. I think so. I was I was out there for about three hours and uh, yeah, sunblock was not my friend yesterday and just roasted and. Never put on sunblock, dude. No, 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 no. Tougher and, than uh, the sun. Tougher than the sun, and uh, the sun kind of beat me down yesterday a little bit. Sunburnt little boy. Yeah, yeah. no, I think I think the Cubs are good. Um, I, I don't. You think, don't think they're good? No, no, no. I do. I do. I, it was a shtick earlier. The Cubs are going to be good. I think we're playing the Cubs, unfortunately, at their hottest point in the season. That sucks. But they they beat the Cardinals, who have sold their entire team for parts. And they beat the White Sox, who, respectfully, nobody even remembers them. Nobody knows anything about the White Sox, other than they're losers. So I don't think that was like three series that were like, oh, yeah, we can feel good about it. We beat a couple good teams there. No, you beat the same team twice who's selling their entire team, and then you beat the White Sox. Not great. But I do think the Cubs are playing hot. I think this series does mean something. If you win three of four, Cubs are dead. Cubs are dead. Mm -hmm. Ring the bell. It's over for them. But I, I think the Reds, the Reds' next 15 games, Reed said it, I said it, I think they're going to be easy. I think you take if you take three of four, take care of business against Chicago, you go to the Nationals, right? You play three at home against the Nationals, three at home against the Marlins, you travel to the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then you play the Guardians at home, two games with the Guardians. That's a stretch where you need to win 10 games. If we win, if the Cincinnati Reds win 10 games in the next 15, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to declare it. I'm going to declare this team a postseason team. I'm gonna de- I'm gonna I feel like you already have declared them a postseason team. I have, I have, but this would just cement it. Because I don't think there's there, there's no way for the for the Cubs to come back at this point if we were to win three of four or sweep. You're right. There's another team in the division, though. There is. There is, but that team doesn't have to play us any longer. 
thank God, because for some reason, and, I, and it's one of those things, baseball is such a funny sport. Luke Dreamweaver gives up two hits, both home runs to Max Muncie on um, Saturday night. Reds lose that game. Just there, There's so many funny things about the sport. One of the funny things is you'll beat the entire league, and then you'll play the Milwaukee Brewers, and you'll forget how to play the sport. Ellie De La Cruz is, is, is not human. I have a stat right here. He's 6 for 37, one home run against Milwaukee. He's batting 162, 184, uh, 243. Against everybody else, Ellie De La Cruz, 46 for 151, six home runs, 10 doubles, three triples, 304, 353, 570. The entire team forgets how to play. Literally the entire team forgets how to play. The good news for playing Milwaukee is that the starters, the bullpen, boosted all their stats because the Brewers can't hit a baseball. You saw it in uh, the Atlanta Braves series. The Braves just ran around them. If you can't score five runs, seven runs confidently, you're not going to beat the Atlanta Braves. And the Braves knew that, and they took care of business. They swept the Brewers. I, think it's, I still think it's a two-team race, Reds, Brewers. But we'll see. This, you have to win this series. You can't lose three or four to Chicago because that puts Chicago right back into things. And if, if they're not going to sell— if Already gonna, back into things. Huh? Already back into things. But they're not really still, right? Four games. Huh? So it's the, it's the shortest division. It's the closest division race. Yeah, but you're still, yeah, but you still, yeah, eh, still not really in it. But just take care of business, guys. Just take care of business. Yeah, you mentioned the Brewers don't know how to hit. They are 26th in the league on um, on base plus slugging, a 689 clip. The only teams worse are the White Sox, the Royals, the Tigers, and the Athletics. So they have the worst OPS, OPS in the National League. But for some reason, the Reds can't beat them. You know, you mentioned uh, Dream Weaver giving up two hits and losing to the Dodgers on Saturday. In a series in a season that's filled with just so much magic and Dreamweaver has been the center of that magic. That's right. Are you worried that it's gone? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But there is something like he has to pitch horribly for the magic to kick on. Like he has to be the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball and I I'd argue I don't I don't know who would be worse at this point. He started every single game. Like, he hasn't been hurt. He got hurt and didn't miss a start. This guy has started every single game. He's been our most consistent pitcher. The issue is the consistency is how bad he's been. He has a 6.8 ERA <laughs> through 18 starts. That's incredible. I mean, it's left-handed left -handed pitchers or batters. I'll get through this eventually. Left-handed batters are hitting 310 against Luke Weaver. That is second worst in Major League Baseball. But something clicks in the Reds' offense. It clicks in the Reds' dugout. When Luke Dreamweaver is out there, the whole team shows up because they know they're going to have to show up. They're going to have to put up numbers. So I don't know what it is. If, he, if he's going to go out and pitch quality starts, I think you have to cut him. What's the Reds' record when you host Chatterbox Reds? One and one. One and one. 500. 500 one, baseball. One and one. Um, yeah. The, I'm, I'm a, it's unfortunate the Reds lost on Dreamweaver night. Because I don't know how long I, how long can I play into that shtick that the Reds don't lose on Luke Dream Weaver night. I they still you, like you'd still lean into it. Like it still holds true. I know okay. they just lost their most recent game, but now you can you can add another element to it. Like Luke Dream Weaver was the best pitcher in baseball last Saturday. It's true. I, I think you give it one more start, right? Because if right. he loses his next start, that's three out of four, <laughs> and that would also be two in a row where he's been healthy. Because you you can forget the one where he got hurt. That doesn't count, Elliot. Don't worry about that one. Okay, got hurt. Then he wins his next one. Then he gives up two hits, three runs on Saturday, and he loses. I say you give it one more start. If he blows up and loses in the next start, is he is he game four against the Cubs? Uh, currently, 
It, it is gearing up. It, it's a great game tonight. I think he would be throwing Thursday. I'm, I'm pulling it up would, as we would, speak. Would that be game? I think he, I think he is Thursday against the Cubs. Uh, yeah, against uh, Jamison Tyon. Oh, hell yeah. Tyon's been pitching great. That's, is Wynn when, uh, going to blow, be blowing in this series? Do we know? I, I do not. I'm not. I, I, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. I feel like all Chicago Bobby Cubs Dylan. fans know, though. That's like part of the shtick of being a Cubs fan. There's <laughs> ivy, and then there's ivy, and then there's a bunch of wind that blows in to help them win games. It's all. It, Jamison Talion over his last five starts has been just as good as Graham Ashcraft. Okay. For what it's worth, he's all pitched. Right. He's pitched very well. He's doing some 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 quick math. 13, 23, 29. He's thrown 30 and a third innings pitch, and he's given up a total of. Eight runs and thirty. Reed, does it concern you that the Cubs are twenty-five and thirty-nine against teams above five hundred? See, when we were nitpicking, when we were cherry picking stats earlier, yep. When we were doing that earlier, that was the one I left out. Mm. That's the one I'm well <laughs> aware of, guys. Mm. Let's throw that one at the wall. That's uh, that that one's that's where you go into the sweeps. You get swept. It's hard to have a good season, but you know what that means is they just take care of the teams they're supposed to take care of. That's right. That's the spin zone right there. That's right. You're right. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad someone brought that up. Reed, before we before we keep going here, now that we have some people, uh, how does it feel now, now that Jacob's gone? You're a permanent member of the show. Yeah, it feels good. You, yeah, I'm going to permanent. You're, you're going to be in that second chair. Yeah, I'm going to be in the chair. Maybe that either Elliot's sitting in right now or the one that has the broken oh, nope, mic. It'll be that one. <laughs> it'll be that one. <laughs> it's the one because with the broken mic. Because that mic doesn't work. So sometimes it'll Casey will just be turning off a mic. Inside baseball, does does Casey actually just mute that mic from time to time? It would be smart. Just if, just if Elliot's a, rambling or if I'm rambling move. over there. It would be a really good move by Casey. I, I hate to inform all of you. It's just a bad either line or a mic. Okay. So, well, it's not Casey just, not, just mm. muting people. But, yeah, um, from this point forward, um, the cast of characters you see on the show will be us four plus Tom. So, yeah, very excited to be on the show uh, for 10 hours a week. What does this mean for box lunch? <laughs> I think I think box lunch may. Uh, well, I don't know. We might might go by the wayside. We'll see what yeah. happens when I get back from my cruise. We'll see how we see how we feel about about certain things. But yeah, I'm, I'm very. We are gonna have a hodgepodge our August, aren't we, fellas? Between it's gonna this be this week, next week, and then the week after where he goes to drop Luke off at college. Oh yeah. I mean, we are gonna be powering through this month. Luckily, the Reds aren't going to be in, in contention or anything like that. So yeah, right. and you know, training camp and right, and all the all the, the trade deadline, you know, all those all those things, all those things. Yeah. But guys, tonight we're going to see a fantastic pitching matchup. It's ones versus ones. I have a question. You talking about Andrew Abbott? You you said if if the season ended today, he's going to be your game one starter. That's correct. Which which I agree with. If the season ended today, Graham Ashcraft's pitching game two, right? Yeah, I mean, at this have to right at this point. At this point. He certainly would be. Or Brandon Williamson. Graham Ashcraft doesn't allow runs. I was the hardest on Graham Ashcraft I've been on anybody this season. And right now, he's the hottest pitcher in the Reds. Well, I guess Andrew Abbott. But still, he's the hottest pitcher in the Reds uh, starting rotation. I think, I think Graham Ashcraft, and this is why I don't want a starting pitcher at the deadline. I don't know where these guys are going to go. If you, if you added player X at the deadline, you have Graham Ashcraft, Andrew Abbott. Hunter Green will be back August 20th. Nick Lodolo is supposedly going to come back soon. You have Brandon Williams and Ben Lively, who have been pitching phenomenal baseball. So I don't know what you would do if they were to add a starter, but Graham Ashcraft right now is, is keeping the Reds afloat. They're, he's keeping the division lead afloat. He's keeping the Reds' playoff chances. So I, I, I think the starting pitching since the All-Star break, as bad as you know, the offense has kind of 
has tapered kind of off. tapered off. Tapered but off. We, we knew this was going to happen with a bunch of rookies, that they were going to have a slump at some point. But the way the pitching's been, it's been phenomenal. So I don't know. Graham Ashcraft certainly would get game two. Hunter Green would get game three. I like it. Yeah, so when Hunter Green comes back at the end of August and the Reds are in talks, and we'll get to the talks that you guys talked about on Chatterbox Reds and the, the names that are be floating around coming to the Cincinnati Reds before the trade deadline tomorrow. But presumably, Hunter Green's coming back at the end of August. The Reds get one more starting pitcher that's going to be in the rotation. What does the rotation look like when you add two arms to it? Obviously, Andrew Rabbit's staying in. I would assume Graham Ashcraft stays in it and Brandon Williamson, and then you round it out with Hunter Green, Ben Lively, Luke, Dream Weaver are kicked by the wayside. Is that how things are, are, are yeah, gearing up? Nick said, Nick said on Chatterbox Reds that he thinks Luke Weaver would go to the bullpen. I disagree just because of how bad he's been. I, I don't think there's a role for Luke Weaver at this point if, if Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo come back. I don't think there is. I could be wrong, but I think the entire fan base, I think the, I think the front office would be okay with cutting a guy with a 6.8 ERA and quite literally has been just atrocious against everybody. So I think he's gone. I think Brandon Williamson, there's a chance, depending on what we do with the deadline, Reds need a, Reds need a lefty reliever. Need it. Alex Young's been phenomenal. But, I mean, having one lefty reliever in your bullpen is terrible. I don't know how many – I would go – I would venture to say that they're the only team with one lefty reliever in their bullpen in Major League Baseball. I don't know if that's accurate. But they need a lefty reliever. Brandon Williamson could fill that role. Nick Lodolo, I also pitched, could fill that role. Nick Lodolo is going to be coming off an injury. I think his is more severe than Hunter Green's. I don't like the way Nick Lodolo has been pitching on an injury. I'd, I wouldn't hate Nick Lodolo in a limited capacity in the bullpen. So that, that would be my idea – Ben Lively would, would obviously go to the bullpen as well. But we'll see. I think Graham Ashcraft and Andrew Abbott, Hunter Green are the top three top three big dogs. The other two, you can platoon them. The, the Rays do bullpen games all the time. Nick Kirby just given the curse to the Cincinnati Reds. There's a high probability that someone on the Reds will get hurt before Hunter Green comes back. So he's just he just doomed. Just cursed somebody. The Kirby curse. Worse than the Madden curse. That would suck. Yeah. If Kirby cursed the city. Could you imagine that? The Bo Jackson and the Nick Kirby curse? Seriously. <laughs> That's brutal. Nick! I mean, <laughs> Nick! What are you doing? Re remember that message if this, if this week in Chicago, just the pitchers don't get out of the third inning just because they, 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 they go down in the... They're all taking comebackers off the face with the, with the wriggly wind. Man, Nick, that's brutal, buddy. That's brutal. Cursed him. You would never do such a thing. No. Never. Realistically, okay, by the way, yeah, no. I'm going to look at this transition. Realistically, <laughs> realistically, if we, go to the, if we look at the, the trade deadline, that's tomorrow at 6 p.m. We're going to see some, a hodgepodge of trades from now until then. Do we think the Cincinnati Reds are making a trade? Yeah, so the, the, the name that was thrown around, you guys were talking about this on Chatterbox Reds, and a lot of been talk has been floating around x.com in our chat. They're currently talking about it. It is the Hall of Famer Justin Verlander has been leaked to the Cincinnati Reds. That was late last week, so there's been plenty of talk about it. I don't know what we can add to the conversation other than saying, are you guys pro this move? Which presumably would be taking on a, a little bit of the contract. You, there's two ways that the, the Mets can do this, right? They can either have the Reds take the entire contract, and to do that, the Mets would have to be giving the Reds prospects. That's not going to happen. The other way that would have to happen is that the Mets go, all right, we'll eat most of the contract, but you got to give us prospects in return. Essentially, the Mets would be buying prospects for the price tag of Justin Verlander's contract. So that's probably what's going to happen. 
Are you guys pro the, the Reds adding on Hall of Famer, postseason hero, Justin Verlander for the final two months of this season? I would – look, if the question is would, you, would I love to see Justin Verlander pitch in a Cincinnati Red uniform, the answer to that question is yes. Logistically, how does it happen? I don't think it does. I don't think there's really any way that it makes sense and that the Mets would be willing to do in, in, a, in a scenario that it makes sense for the Reds to acquire Justin Verlander. Could it happen? You know, if the Mets were desperate to really unload and, and to try and see if there was a way that they could make it work. But by unloading, they're either still paying for a lot of it or they're, like you've said, Reed, giving up prospects to the Reds. I don't think there's any way for both teams to make it make sense um, unless I'm just leaving out a scenario I haven't thought of. But I, I was listening to you guys talk about it, Elliot, with – with Nick, I, I listened to your segment on that that you guys tweeted out, and I just don't know if there's a scenario where it makes sense. But if the question at face value is, would I like Justin Verlander in his current form to be on the Cincinnati Reds? Obviously, the answer there is yes. I just don't think it, it's going to make sense. Yeah, I also don't I, think I don't think it helps the way people think it helps. Obviously, when you add a Hall of Fame pitcher to your rotation, it's going to help in some capacity. But the way the Red starters have pitched as of lately, the past two three weeks now. I don't think I don't think Justin Verlander makes as big of a dent as a left-handed reliever would. I don't believe so. You don't think you don't think a uh, hundred innings of Justin Verlander, or I mean, I don't know how many starts he get in two months, but close to a hundred innings of Justin Verlander beats out twenty-five innings from a left-handed reliever. No, well, 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 listen, because I do think obviously he's going to add value, right? But the way the Reds' pitching has been, it's it's almost like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They've been pitching phenomenally. The Reds' pitching staff has been one of the best in baseball since the All-Star break. So I don't think adding him to the starting role where I think the team starter ERA right now is almost sub-three. It is. It is. Sub-three? Second best in baseball since the All-Star break. So I don't know. Obviously, in the postseason game, that would make a massive difference. But we're not a lock for the postseason right now. I, I, I think the Reds would be okay without Justin Verlander. And especially if you're giving up Cam Collier, you're giving up prospects, you're, 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 you're abiding by the, uh, the process that we're all, we've all been told to trust, right? I don't think Justin Verlander makes as big of a dent as people think. Would I love it like Paul said? Absolutely. I would love Justin Verlander, and I think it would break the city. I think the city would throw a parade for Justin Verlander. It's, it's one of those situations where it's almost a win-win for Cincinnati Reds fans because from the periphery, when you're looking on the outside before a deal has been made, you're saying, how does Justin Verlander make sense on this team? We're, we're, we're trying to hoard prospects, and I don't think that the Reds would give up a, a marquee prospect in return for Justin Verlander, but maybe, maybe you have to. Maybe you have to to get an arm like that. But if Justin Verlander comes to the Reds, they go, oh, we got Justin Verlander. How awesome is this? We get to see a Hall of Famer pitch for the Reds, a young Reds team for two months as they try to charge towards the postseason. It's almost a win-win. But you guys are right. Logistically, how how does it add up? How does it make sense? The names being floated around Cam Collier. I don't. I I I don't think the Reds should should try to give away any any really prospects. So it's it's such a weird juxtaposition on on what's going to happen in the trade deadlines. What in twenty six hours? Yeah, it's noon it's tomorrow. To, to, yep. No, six p.m. Six tomorrow. Six, six, six p. p.m. tomorrow. Six p. So, still plenty of time, and there's always those last-second deals. It's going to be interesting. It is. I don't... 
if you had me give a take right now, I don't think the Reds should go after Justin Verlander. I think the Reds should stay the course. I think, like Elliot brought up, like we've been saying on this show for weeks, maybe add some, just help, some depth to the bullpen where you're not giving up a whole lot, but just bolstering it a little bit, getting 25 innings out of a good reliever over giving up key prospects for Justin Verlander, sure. But it's an awfully attractive proposition seeing Verlander in the Reds uniform. Who are some names that you think the Reds should go after? Obviously, the big one is the Moeller grad, the lefty, the NL Central alum, Brent Suter, and my, oh my, after years of the Cubs and the Brewers going at each other and Brent Suter coming in the seventh inning and shutting down, throwing 75-mile-an-hour fastballs, if I saw Brent Suter in a Reds uniform and he's doing the same thing against the Cubs, I would lose my godforsaken mind. So Brent Suter, Brad Hand, any other relieving prospects that the Reds have been linked to that you think that the Reds th should go after? I think one that is being slightly discussed, Brooks Raley, a Reds reunion with Brooks Raley, lefty reliever. He's been pitching phenomenally in New York right now. Mm -hmm. he's, a guy, he's a guy at the top of my list. We need a lefty reliever. That's all I care. That's I want one thing at the deadline. I want a lefty reliever. That's it. That's all I want. And he's the name I want. I think he's been phenomenal, and I think he would help the bullpen. It's a month away, but Nick Lodola can fill that role. Yeah, I think Nick Lodola will fill that role if he were to come up. I don't. I still don't buy. He, I, I kind of agree with Tom Brenneman. I don't think he's coming up. I don't think Nick Lodola is going to be rushed to come to this season and help save the season when it does need to be saved. Right? You now. think he's done? Yeah, I don't think Nick Lodola is coming back. If he comes back, it's going to be in mid-September, and who knows where the Reds are by then. Um, I think they'll be in the playoff race, but I don't think Nick Lodolo needs to come back because of the high play of Brandon Williamson, because of Ben Lively. I don't know. But right now, my name is Brooks Raley. Has Josiah Gray been dealt? I don't he, think he has. For he's the a national. national. He's a national right now, and he's, yeah. he's on the block. Bring him yeah. to the Reds? He's a righty, but... Was he a former Red? That was, that was the, the key piece in the, the Matt Kemp... Yes. Yasiel Puig, Alex Wood deal. Him sure. and Jeter Downs, right? Yep. Yep. He's I would trade. I would I, again the starter the starter thing, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't I still don't know. Is it wild to say we don't need a starter? See, here's where it's I crazy, but I, I, don't, I don't think they do. I don't, I don't either. Do. Well, I don't I don't either. think I, I think I, let's be rational about this, guys. We're talking about two weeks of great starting rotation play as opposed to two and a half months of bad starting rotation play. I the Reds need, if, if they're going to add something, it's got to be the starter. I know the, the starters are, are throwing well right now, but you can't anticipate that to keep up when these starters have shown that that's not the case. What are you going to believe? The two and a half months of, of a track record or the two weeks since the All-Star break? I agree with you, but some of the after effects of that would be Somebody in the bullpen is going to have to get cut, right? Daniel Duarte, going to get cut. That guy's a nobody. Fernando Cruz, I'd argue, is next up after that. Maybe Derek Law after that. But the rest of the bullpen guys, they have to stay. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to move guys from the starting rotation to the bullpen. And the Reds' bullpen has been, I'd argue, the most important piece of this season. They have kept the Reds in games. They have. They how, have. how are you going to say that their bullpen is the most important piece of their season? Reed, our starters for the first two months of the year would go three innings. Yeah, and your lineup was scoring twelve runs a game. What are you the, talking about? There is a there is a serious debate. So you, you, if you want to say, if you want, I listen. The line, I don't like, yeah, come on, Matt like, McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, Spencer Steer. 
there's an argument for it. I'm not saying I'm right, but I'm saying there's certainly an argument for okay. it. Go on with your point. I don't know. I, you made me mess up. Now I don't even know where my point is. But I'm just saying, I think the Reds' bullpen has been a large part of the success this year. I think messing up with the feng shui of that, I don't know, could have, could have side effects. Ian Jabot, as much as I like to make fun of the guy, he's been dominant. Fernando Cruz, as much as I make fun of the guy, has been dominant over his last 20 starts. There is a rhythm to the bullpen right now, and I think shaking it up, I don't know, could hurt it. And that's, and that's with TJ Antone coming back. That's with guys like... Uh, that, that's the part that I've been saying, is yeah. that the best arms that, that, that could come to the Reds, presumably, are already... They already belong to the Reds. They're just coming back from injury. TJ Anto, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, you, you guys seem to think that he's not going to come back at all. I think he's going to come back in some role. I don't think he's going to be a stretch starter. But those are the best arms that could come back to the Reds. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and which is why I'm hesitant to making any kind of post or a trade deadline deal. Elliot stinks on uh, the chat. Yeah, he thanks for reading his full name. Yeah, okay. Uh, he, he points out, let's be honest with ourselves. This pulpen and rotation isn't going anywhere in the postseason. This is not our year. Next season, go on. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. The Reds have played, again, I know. I get it. They're not getting the starting pitching that you would see in the postseason. You're not going to see the same three guys that you saw in L.A. this weekend that you would see in the postseason if, if the Reds were playing the Dodgers. But outside of Milwaukee, there is nothing to tell me that this Reds team can't compete in the postseason. I'm not saying that they're winning the World Series, but they can compete. They can go out there and compete. And with the lineup that they have right now, they can go out there and, and, and do some things. They can have some fun in the postseason if they get there. And I do think they will get there. I, I think they win the division. I don't think there are three teams in the National League that are better than the Cincinnati Reds. I think right now it's the Milwaukee Brewers, and I think it's the Atlanta Braves. I don't think there's a single other team other than those two. You guys have beaten everybody else. So I, I, I don't know what everybody's so afraid of that we can't go in all in this year. Obviously, don't go all now, in. Now that they've gotten most of these teams off of off of their premier, like it'd be ones versus ones and twos versus twos, not, not the Reds ones versus Dodgers four and five. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fair. But I think most of the competition in the MLB right now is over in the American League. You wouldn't face them to, to, to the World Series. I think the Reds have as good of a chance to make a run at a World Series, not a, not a World Series championship, but just to appear in the World Series than they've had in quite some time. I don't think waiting till next year solves anything. Right? I mean, I, 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 think, I, think, I think the Reds are the third best team in the National League. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that proposition. I, I really don't. I think now I, this is also the same guy that I was talking about how last week I think the NL Central has – uh, an incredibly low probability, but a chance to get three teams into the postseason, which would just be freaking awesome after hearing how bad the National League Central is all season long. But I still, I still like the Atlanta Braves. I still like the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Dodgers are adding on rapidly. And then I would put the Reds in the same tier as the teams where there's ex some exciting pieces. You just don't know about the consistency. And that would be teams like the San Francisco Giants, the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Philadelphia Phillies. And I can't even count out the Miami Marlins with the way that they're playing because they seem to have a similar magic that the Reds have to where they're always winning one-run games, where they're always coming from behind, where they've got young players. And that's even to say that their best pieces of their team haven't even played all that great. You know, the Cy Young Award winner from last year, Sandy. You're right. I, I disagree. Marlins, I disagree. Marlins. I disagree with the notion that the Reds are the third best team in the National League. But I also agree 
that there is a hodgepodge of teams that are right there. I think Tom makes a good point. Tom has made some very good points in this program. One of them being, who are you afraid of in a three-game three playoff, in a three-game series? I'm not afraid of the Marlins. Are you? The Marlins? Their best pitcher was sent down doing, due to an innings limit. I mean, they're not, they're not trying to win baseball games. So I, I think the Reds right now, at least, I would guarantee right now, the Reds in a three-game playoff series would win that series against anybody outside of Milwaukee, outside of Atlanta. Yeah, I'm just looking at, the Mar I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the Marlins team, and, and Sandy's pitched better, but he's still got a 4.5 ERA. Luzardo, yeah, you're right. In, in the Reds against the Reds and Marlins, if, if you were a capper, if you were making the odds, it'd be pretty, it would just depend on who, who the home team is, right? It's pretty much all it would come down to. But the Reds, you're right, can, can beat everyone. Nick Kirby disagreed with your notion about how this is the best chance that the Reds have to win the World Series, and you don't know how long. And I agree with Nick Kirby that 2020 there was a much better chance just because of the veterans that you had on the team and the starting pitching that you had on the team. Obviously, they didn't score the run. We know how that worked in hindsight, but that team did have a, a team built for postseason, at least in the, the generic sense of the term where they're, they're strong veteran presence along with the strong starting rotation. But I digress. Yeah, like I said, I would... I would, I would beat down the notion that the Reds are the third best team in the National League, but I would agree that if you put them in tiers, they're in the second tier, along with about seven other teams. And the Brewers, I'd put in that tier. I'd still put the Dodgers and the Braves in a class of their own, and then I'd put a tier with the Brewers, the Reds, the, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, the Phillies, and maybe the Marlins but I'd probably be closer to put the Marlins in the same tier as like a Cubs team, some teams looking on from the outside looking in. Did you just do a sync list? I did do a power rankings in a sort, right? Yeah. Tier maker. Mm. I think you just uh, did a little inception there. I think you just mm. did a stink list. We just got a stink list on uh, July 31st, a baseball one. We haven't done a baseball one yet. That we was a good read. Well, I, like Casey. I, I, I give Casey the stink list. So... He hasn't done a baseball one yet. Casey, we, uh, we're right around the corner from your NFL stink list. Can't wait for that. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great time. All the training camp news and information coming out makes uh, that list a little, little different than what it was entering in this offseason. So, you're right. I've not done an MLB one. Mainly because I'm still trying to learn the MLB teams. <laughs> I was going to say, I would love to see what yeah, you, what I would, you I Honestly, I would love to see an MLB stink list from you, Casey. And the best part is, is we couldn't yell at you like we do for the other stink list. Yeah. Because it would just be like, ah, oh, it's just Casey. Yeah, yeah Casey's I mean, I just wouldn't know. I mean, let me tell you, the Dodgers, they're, they're really down in the, in the basement right That's now. That's right. They'd probably be at the bottom of your stink list, right, from what you've seen. Yeah. I mean, some of these teams, man. Look, all you, you, got all, you all claim they're so good. I'm like... Reds just either sweep them. According to Kate, according to Casey's mind, the best team that has ever played Major League Baseball is the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, because they're ten and three against the Reds this year. Yeah, That's Casey correct. just uses his two eyes and he sees what he sees and he knows that the Brewers are the best team in the league. I see things that you people don't see. Mm. <laughs> Tracy Jones. <laughs> it's it's actually funny if you go on Fangraphs. I'm looking at their playoff odds right now to win the World Series. These are odds to win the World Series. The Braves have the best odds in the National League. They got a, about a 1-4 in four shot. They got a 25% chance, which I believe is best in Major League Baseball. It is. More than doubles the next person, who is the L.A. Dodgers, 
who have a 13% chance. If you add up the rest of the National League's chance to win the World Series, it does not equal what the Dodgers perceive chances to win the World Series. And they're the second best team in the National League. At this very moment, the Reds have a 36% shot to make the postseason. I would disagree with that, with that algorithm. I'd say it's a little higher. I say it's a little higher. I think the National League Central is going to get a wild card team. I truly believe that. The Reds not playing the Brewers for the rest of the year helps both teams because now they're not beating each other down. They can, they can go together. So I think there's a, there's a solid shot. The Red, Fangraphs gives the Reds a 13% chance to, to clinch a wild card slot. Gives the Cubs about a 26% shot to make the postseason. I think, I think there is merit to that, I, but here's where I'm going to disagree with a lot of people. I think only one team is coming out of the NL East. I think one team comes out of the NL East. I think the Marlins are going to fall off. I don't know how much you look into run differential. Marlins have an— I love run differential. I, so do I. So do I. <laughs> Cubs are one of the best in the league. <laughs> I love it. Minus, the, the Miami Marlins are minus 21. The Philadelphia Phillies—if people want to hype up the Phillies, man, they suck. The Philadelphia Phillies suck. They've lost two or three to the Pirates. They've lost two or three to the Guardians. I think they beat the Orioles, and they lost two or three to the Brewers. The team's not good. I mean, that team is just not good. Didn't the, Red the Reds just get in positive run differential yeah. yesterday? Yeah, plus three. Reds are plus three. They joined, <laughs> they joined the uh, Dodgers, the Braves, all the good teams. And the Cubs. And Well, and the Cubs. But I, I, I truly, I, I don't think anybody is afraid of 75% of the teams in the National League Do you right think now. other teams are afraid of the Reds? Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. I think the Miami Marlins would lose. I think the, Mar my, my, the Miami Marlins don't win a game against the Reds. They Not don't. a single. The Philadelphia Phillies don't win a game against the Reds in a three-game series. There are two teams right now. There are three teams. Dodgers, Brewers, Braves that would win a game in a three-game series against the Reds. So I'm, not, I'm not concerned with the Padres. I think the Diamondbacks are good. I think they're a fun little team. But I'm not concerned that the Reds can't beat beat Arizona. So you think that the Phillies with their rotation of Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Taiwan Walker, Ranger Suarez, and Craig Kimbrell coming out of the pen, and their lineup of JT Realmuto, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, uh, resurging Josh Harris. Nah, he's, he's played terrible. Never mind. <laughs> Alex Bohm, Bryson Scott, Trey Turner. You think, you, think, you think they don't win a single game against the Reds? That's correct. They do not win one game. Against they, the Sunny Reds. In a three-game three series. They I do. love they the do. positivity. Seven-game series, they might win one. Seven-game series. It's hard to win four in a row. This is an all. This is me being incredibly transparent. I love Elliott's fandom because when the Reds come in and they lose four out of five, five out of six, he is just a beat-down little dog. I mean, he is so sad. And he just is – the Reds aren't ever going to beat anybody. They're, they're terrible. They go out to L.A., take two of three. They win nine to nothing in glorious fashion – getting shutout performance from Graham Ashcraft, getting three home runs from Matt McClain, Joey Votto, and Ellie De La Cruz. And Elliot's ready to stand on top of the mountain and fight the rest of the world with these Cincinnati Reds. That's what I love. I truly love it. Because that's what fandom should be. If you're rational about your fandom, then you're doing it wrong. You're truly doing it wrong. You should, you should, ride, you should just strap in. Put the seatbelt on. Put the lap bar down. Attendant comes in, checks, make sure that the lap bar is in, and then you just get on the roller coaster and you ride the ups and downs. I just don't think the Reds are past the point where this season's a fluke, right? The, the Bengals' Super Bowl run, I like to compare them because they were similar. Bengals were not supposed to be as good as they were. They went to the Super Bowl. The Reds were projected 64 wins. Right. Obviously, those 64 wins were not accounting the, the success of the rookies that have come up. That was, that was accounting the opening day roster, which, to be fair to Vegas, that was fair. That's a fair point. 
you're not going to win a lot of games with Jason Vossler out there. But right now, the Cincinnati Reds, I really believe, are a top three team in the National League. The Dodgers have not beaten the Reds. At some point, that's not a fluke. If you're, if you're playing the Dodgers' bottom three in the rotation every time, fine, whatever. But they haven't beaten the Reds in a series this season, and they won't until the postseason if they were to play, right? There's no, there's no more opportunities for the Dodgers to beat the Reds the rest of the year. They've taken care of the business. I don't think any of the hard competition against the Reds, outside of the Braves and Brewers, would be until a World Series game. Do I think the Reds can win a World Series this year? Probably not. I think Justin Verlander is going to go to like the Dodgers or the Braves, and it's just going to, it's just going to destroy me. Because that would, I, you know what? I want Justin Verlander just so the other teams can't take him. That's where I am right now. I, I, if they want to eat $40 million, fine. I just don't want the Braves to have Justin Verlander too, because that would destroy me. But I really believe the Reds, the Reds offense, the Reds bullpen, it's been, it's been a consistent thing all season long. I don't think that's going away now. The Reds have a winning record against every team in the National League or a 500 or better record against every team in the National League, but four teams. Can you name them? The Reds have a winning record against... Oh, a 500 or better record against every team in the National League, but four teams. Phillies. So 10, 10 of the other... Yep, the Phillies are one of them. Phillies They're are one of them. Three and four. Um, th- you said this includes National League Central or does not? The whole National League, so yeah. Okay, so Brewers. Yep. Pirates. Yep. Um, I can get one. I can get one. They're from the division. Braves, Braves. Yep, the Braves. One and five against the Braves. So those are the four teams. Those are the four teams. Got a winning record against, or a, a 500 or better record against the other 10 teams in the National League. The Reds played the Pirates very early on. As Got Casey, four games swept. They're two and five Casey against the Pirates. Casey mentioned that was before the Reds were good. They played yeah. the Phillies before the Reds were good. Um, Braves, great team. But I'd argue the Reds, as, as horrible. Oh, what do you say? The Reds. Come on. Given to it. I'm going to give into a moral victory for the Reds in that series against the Braves. The last series against the Braves was a moral victory. That's a moral. They played the Braves as tight as anybody's ever played the Braves. They lost. They lost. The Braves are a better team. I'm not saying they're not. But that was a moral victory for the Cincinnati Reds. One the Milwaukee th- Brewers, they've just, yeah, I, I can't defend the Brewers. Jesse, Win- Jesse Winker turns into Barry Bonds against the Cincinnati Reds. He hits 115 against everybody else. So I, I, don't, I can't help that. I can't help that Randy Johnson pitches for the Brewers every single time they're out there. But I like the Reds' chances against everybody else. Who would be the projected uh, matchup right now in the wild card series? Against what team? So the Red, That's what I'm asking. Who would the Reds play? Oh, in the, the Reds wi- would play in the wild I'm, card. I'm looking. It would be the final, final wild card team. Marlins? No, the, sec- the second wild card would team. Would it be the Marlins? Yeah, they'd be the final wild card team. It would be the Marlins. Okay, so I love the Reds' chances. So it'd be Andrew Abbott versus Sandy Alcantara. Somebody clip Jesus this. Luzardo. Somebody clip this right now. And that clip. Whose that job clip, is that? Yeah, I was gonna. Well, let me finish the joke. Reed, will you let me finish a joke every now and then? Get to the punchline quicker. Set it up better. I don't know. I think the Reds beat the Marlins automatically in a postseason series. Automatically, the Reds. If the Reds face the Miami Marlins in the postseason this year, automatic win. Don't even play the games. Don't even play the games. You want to? You want to know something that that'll that'll pique your interest? Yeah. The way it sits right now, postseason, they play the Marlins three games at home. They then would play the Los Angeles Dodgers in a five-game series. Love our chances. I don't like them. I love them. I love the Reds' chances. Five in L.A., give it to me, or you'd have three in L.A. Either way, 
Assuming they don't have Justin, if they don't have Justin Verlander, Reds beat the Dodgers in five games. You'd, you'd, you'd face Kershaw, you'd face Gonzo, you'd face Urias. I get it. But Andrew Abbott is no slouch. Graham Ashcraft has been pitching some of the best baseball in Major League Baseball. You get Hunter Green back. Brandon Williamson is no slouch. I don't know. I like the Reds' chances. He's saying it'd be the Brewers. Dodgers still have a guy. Dodger, can we talk well, about the Brewers it? and the Marlins are 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 yeah they're they actually have the exact same record. So I don't know how the the tiebreaker would go for the second and third wild card spot. Well, if it's the Brewers, Kirby. then I'm scared. Kirby, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking in my boots if it's the Brewers. Honest to God, the Brewers are the only team that I look at. Maybe the Braves. The Braves. Come the on, Braves. I was say, at, Braves, no, but, the Braves Paul, are but, Paul has a point. At least in the Braves series, you know you're going to score runs. Like, if you score runs, you're going to have a chance to win games. Against the Brewers, the Reds get shut out every single game. <laughs> like I think, Literally every game. I think the Brewers are the only team where I would truly feel demoralized going into the series. Because even the Braves, I think if they lost, it could be like a fun series. It's not even fun when the Reds play the Brewers. It's just demoralizing. They go in, they get beat down, they pick up their bags, they put their head down, and they mope out of the stadium. Everybody else, at least it's fun. At least they go out there and right. compete. I, I, I mean, it's uncompetitive baseball. I think there's the a fair point to that. I think if you if you're able to score runs, if you're able to compete, there's no there's no competition when you play the Brewers. Yeah, yeah, your pitching is going to play well because the Brewers literally can't hit a baseball. But if you're not going to be able to get on base at all during an entire series of the Brewers, if the Reds played the Brewers in three games in that wild card series, final score of the two games, we by the way the Reds would lose that series two zero, one nothing, one nothing. And it would just be the most disgusting loss in the history of the sport. Horrible. Who would the the Reds have? Like, if if the, the Reds played the Braves in a playoff series, you go in there wanting to win. But if you lose, you're not getting beat up because it's like, all right, we just lost to the best team in the league. If you went into the Brewers, it hurts so much more because perceived, the fan base perceives that the Reds are better than the Brewers. Hasn't shown this year. But it perceives that they are better than the Brewers. As if you get on X.com every time these two teams play, the Brewers will be up 5-1, to one, and then the, all of the Reds fans will go, the Brewers suck, the Brewers suck, as they just went 3-10 and 10 in 13 games against them. If you play against any other team, what are the expectations? You think that the expectation is that they are they, they'll beat anybody. Like, if you go into a three-game series or five-game series against the Los Angeles Dodgers and you lose, competitive series, but you lose, are you, are you overly beat up about it? Or does it feel, did it feel like you should beat them? When, when the Reds play the Brewers, I want to make something very clear, and I, and I speak for all Reds fans, the Brewers don't score runs. So when you say the Brewers... Stink, they oft, in, in 13 games, they have scored more runs 10 times than the Reds. Here's the thing, when I'm making a point and you come in with that point, it's going to ruin my point. So how about you keep your points and your short shorts over there on the desk? All right, so when the Reds are playing the Brewers, right, the Brewers do not score runs. So when you say the Brewers stink, that's what they're talking about. The Brewers rotation, the Brewers bullpen, dominant, lights out, best in baseball. But the Brewers don't score runs, and when you're playing a Braves, when you're playing a Dodgers, right, you're not going to score runs that you need to beat those teams. Those teams are going to score five on you. Your pitching's not going to be a match for the Braves and Dodgers. It's just not going to happen. Brewers cannot match that number. The Reds can. That's what, that's what I think the difference is. That's why I think the Reds are better. That's why I think the Brewers stink because you're not going to be able to compete. You saw what happened in 2020. Nick Kirby talked about it earlier in the year. Reds didn't score. They were unable to produce runs. They pitched down. They were, they were phenomenal. Trevor Bauer won a Cy Young. People forget about that. 
Mickey Mouse, but it still counts, right? Trevor Bauer, I think, went nine innings, gave up one hit and a run. They lost the game. So it's like you have to be able to score runs. I, I firmly believe offense is the most important part of the game. Just like, just like the NFL has kind of gone to the offensive side more than the defensive side, I think baseball is the same way. Now, and, and when it comes to playoff time, does the good pitching staff usually win? Yeah, I would say so. If you have a great pitching staff, you're going to win. But I think the offense right now is more important in baseball. So I'm going to go with the better offensive team and the better pitching staff. I think the Reds have the better offense. I think they're better than the Brewers. You said that the Brewers have the best rotation and bullpen in Major League Baseball, despite the fact that they have a worse team ERA than the Chicago Cubs who you're playing in a four-game series against. Nick Kirby brings up a good point. He said, I would still feel infinitely better about playing the Brewers in a playoff series than the Dodgers. I would not. Because you'd be facing not. Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, you are Walker Bueller back? That's the names that he threw out there. Isn't Walker? Isn't Walk? Didn't Walker Bueller do Tommy John? Go ahead, continue with your point. I'll look it up. So yeah, I mean, when you get the postseason, it's all about it's all about playing the 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 pitching matchups, right? And you're right. I mean, the, the old a, cliche in every sport, every sport ever, is defense wins and in, in championships, right? Pitching, defense, though. As Paul likes to to point out in March Madness, that's the the old adage like they play great D, they're going to go far in the tournament. When if you if you study it closely, the offenses normally tend to do a little better when yeah. it comes to the postseason. I mean, now, yeah, yeah. It, look, when when you get when you get down into it, you, know, you you talk about the pitching, you talk about all that. But if you can go out there and you can score runs, then you can overcome some of those inefficiencies and and win games. Uh, Walker Bueller. Headline from Sports Illustrated, Dodgers GM doesn't seem as confident in Walker Bueller return this year. Bleacher Report, Dodgers Walker Bueller returning from elbow injury in 2023 is, quote, a viable possibility. So take that for what you will. Hmm. It does, it, to Nick's point, it does Still look, it's Kershaw, Uaris, and... Yeah, it, 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 and you're going to have Gonzo. I don't think Gonzo's as good as people make him out to be, but he's been very good in his MLB career. I can't knock the numbers. But I think there is a point to scoring runs. When you score a bunch of runs... Even if you lose those games 10-9, there's a chance you win. You put yourself in a position to win. If you're facing the Milwaukee Brewers, you know you're not scoring a run. How do you win? If you don't score, if you go in knowing we're going to get shut out two of these three games, get swept, how do you go in thinking, all right, the Reds can win this series? The Reds have been shut out eight times this year, four of them by the Milwaukee Brewers. So when they face a postseason pitching staff, they don't, they don't hit well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's... Because that's what we talked about last week is that they keep getting these favorable pitching matchups going into L.A. Another favorable pitching matchup. How do the Reds keep lucking into this? When they actually go and face ones and twos, i.e. the Milwaukee Brewers, it doesn't turn out so well. But here's what people don't like are writing off. Andrew Abbott is a 1.7 ERA. He's a 1.7 no ERA. No one's writing that off. That's fantastic. Graham, like, but, but that's what you guys are saying. It's where if you're facing those guys, you don't have a chance. Andrew Abbott is also matching them. Andrew Abbott's been better than them this season. Hunter Green, if he comes back healthy, can be better than those guys mentioned, right? Graham Ashcraft has been pitching some of the best baseball in the sport. So, I, I don't know. I, I like my chances with the possibility of scoring runs opposed to having zero chance to score any runs and you look dead on the field. When the Reds play the Brewers, that's a dead team. Like, when I lose a bet, I'm a wet little boy. The Reds are a sad little team when they play the Brewers. It's just embarrassing. 
It's just, it really is. They don't play baseball. They forget small ball. They can't get on base. They're stealing bases they shouldn't steal. India's hitting into 15 double plays. It's bad. It's bad. It's, it's a bad look for the team that objectively has looked phenomenal for the better part of this season. So, no, I, I, I feel better against the Los Angeles Dodgers in a five-game series than I feel against the Brewers in a three-game series. When I know I'm facing Burns and Woodruff, dead. Reds will be dead. Have fun in the eighth and ninth inning against... Payampe, whatever that guy's name is, and then uh, Williams. Good luck. Good Cor- luck scoring a run. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, in famously those, better than those, Clayton Kershaw. In those starts I just mentioned, the Reds have one opportunity to score a run. That's the seventh inning. Good luck. I hate our chances. But against a lot it's of It's so teams, demoralizing, isn't it? He, isn't it? This it's is, just this so demoralizing. fandom is it's, awesome. It's so this demoralizing. No, 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 but, but, but seriously, because I feel the same way. I, I was on vacation when the Reds played the Brewers in the last series, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I, I wasn't sure how many, run, or how many games I could watch, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, I don't know if it's going to matter if I watch these games. And the only thing that I saw over the entire four-game series, really, was Ellie's steal of home, uh, of home, which was really like the only positive thing that happened yeah. in that series yes stealing three bases so when, when you go from that perspective and you look at the brewers and you look at the braves and you look at the dodgers how many times have we sat here or tom has sat here and tried to say that you know this, this team wasn't very good for this and this and this reason or the the reds beat this team but eh, are they really that good at some point, you have to look in the mirror and say that these teams have won a whole lot of games this year. Granted, they're not throwing their best guys against the Reds. But there's just something about going to Milwaukee or the Brewers coming here and them just sucking the life out of you. Just making you feel like you're the worst team in the world. Like you just don't know what you're doing. Like you're playing a major league team. It, it, it almost feels like... You're doing the classic argument of could a AAA team beat a major league team? It's like all these. Seriously. It's like all these guys that got called up this year, just think they're still in Louisville, and they see Milwaukee, Milwaukee, on the chest, and they just pee down their leg and forget how to play the game, and then against everybody else, for some reason it's not like that, and I don't know why. Why is that Milwaukee? Why is that not New York? Why is that not? Well, I guess the Yankees is a bad example. But why is it not L.A.? Right. I, there's no answer to it. Sometimes that those things just happen. I, Sometimes I, they I, just I, happen. I was, I was at the pool yesterday getting roasted like a sunburnt little boy. By the way, you look great. Yeah. I, I did not. I would be and, unsurprised that you tan that well. And I, uh, I, was, I uh, did not have the game on uh, in the beginning. And I saw a text about the Reds. And I went and I looked, and it was seven nothing. It was seven nothing Reds. Couldn't believe what I was seeing. They win the game. What eight nothing yesterday? Nine. Nine nothing. Don't short them. That's right. Joey Votto's little dink. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Don't, was that? don't dink the bang. What was that? What was that? What? At what? The, off a shortstop. I I don't At care. Who he's, I don't care who he's facing. It helps me defend guys like Jacob Tissett, who wanted Joey Votto's head on a spike. So, I know. I count that double. Miguel, Miguel Rojas, great pitch. That was a competitive pitch. How did that one pitch not hit him? I don't know. Did you see that fastball that just nearly clipped his leg? I did. I mean, I, I, love, I love seeing that when Joey goes back there and quiets the fans and has some fun with it. It's good. I like seeing a pitch. I want, I want a world – this is a debate I'll have right now. 
I would rather have a World Series now than two World Series five years from now. Woo! I want Joey Votto to hold a ring. Joey Votto has been met with nothing but criticism and hate from this city for such a long period of time. The city Joe, loves Joey. Votto, Joey Votto. The old not, fogies don't. Buddy, Joey Votto was not liked five years ago. Joey Votto was not lo universally the young, loved. The, young, the guys that grew ago. up with Joey Votto have always liked Joey Votto. It's the old fogies that, that no, grew no, up no. with a big red machine. No, no, no. Joey, Votto, Joey Votto has turned a corner when he started having fun with the media. Joey Votto was not as liked as you think he was. And you were a Cubs fan. You wouldn't know. So, I, I right, think... I haven't lived here. Arguably. I'd like, to see the, I'd like to see the records. I think Joey Votto holding a world championship ring, holding the trophy, I think that means more to me right now than anything. In a team that was supposed to be a dead team, just floating the water dead, they have come out, them winning a World Series like this, this would be a movie team. I mean, this is legit. You write a movie about this team. That's how fun this team has been. And him, Joey Votto, our captain, holding up a trophy like that this year, that means more to me than two down the line. I, I would agree with that. I would 100% agree with that. I do too. I, listen, I've, I've made the point multiple times before that as a fandom, there's been, you know, my two fandoms, the Bengals and the, the Cubs. The 2015 Cubs team was more fun than the 2016 Cubs team. The 2016 team obviously won the World Series and one of the most exciting games ever. But the 2015 team, very similar to this Reds team, no expectations going in the air. They win 97 games, go to the NLCS. Then I cry because they got swept by the Mets. I think that I'd have more fun as a Bengals fan for that first Super Bowl run than I will if they ever win it. I truly believe that. So there is merit to what you're saying and that this year there's just so much positive vibes. There's so much just mysticism. It's something so unexpected. There, there were no expectations going into the year that if you end it with a World Series, it'll be possibly one of the more fun championships in sports in the past 25 years. Not just the city in sports. Like I, I remember in 2019 when the the Nationals were doing their thing and Ryan Zimmerman, it was the the talk of the city. Oh, finally Ryan, because you knew he was going to retire, and and he had been the face of the franchise since day one. He was drafted. He came up through the organization pretty quickly, and he was the face of the city. He he was the face that brought baseball back to DC, and. They had had so little success in the postseason, and everybody kept saying, let's just get Zimmerman a World Series. Let's get Zim a ring. Let's get Zim a ring. And you get to the World Series, he wins one, and you feel so fulfilled. You feel so good that the guy that you've invested so much time and energy and enthusiasm into and has been so good for your city and your franchise and your team for so long gets paid off in that way. Yeah, let if, if if Joey was to win, Joey winning one ring this year means more than than I would say two in you know six years from now. But one, one in Joey hand, one in Joey's one, hand is yeah. worth two in the Reds bush. Yeah, I I I I would I would, I would say so, uh, and I I don't think that's I really don't think that's revisionist history if you get eight years down the line and you know maybe it's one thing if the reds go back to back look i get it it's easy to sit here right now on july 31st in 2023 but for the reds who have been so bad so tremendously terrible for so long to be able to get somebody who has lived through all of that and joey Votto, a world series ring would be one of the most fulfilling things i think a lot of people would ever see in sports i mean truly 
it's hard to think of something for somebody that because even if you look at a guy like uh, you know Aaron Rodgers, he won one, but he wins a lot. They won a lot. Right. Correct. Joey played on some decent teams. He's won a couple of divisions, but the Reds have been terrible. Right. They have been so bad for almost a decade. For a long time. Sands 2019, time. 2020, and 2021, where they were okay. But he, okay, 2020, yeah. No fans. Uh, yeah, no fans. Fun. You know, 2021, they were good, and then they decided to not be good. Winning one World Series for Joey Votto this year, I think, would, would be, or for his career, whether that was this year. Do you think he. No. Never mind. I they think Joey's going to keep playing until people don't offer him a contract. I don't. I don't think. I maybe I'm perceiving Joey Votto wrong, but I. If you're asking me, do I think Joey Votto ends his career in the Reds? I think Joey Votto is going to play next year, and I don't think he has a spot on this Reds team. Oh, I don't think he's going to play next year. I think he's out of steam. I think he's out of steam, and I, and I think Joey has had kind of an attitude. I think he's. I think he's settled into the role. I think he's. I think he's done, and that's okay. I, he's had a Hall of Fame career. He's a Hall of Famer. But this year, it's just some of the at-bats just aren't competitive. He's not there. But that brings me to my next point, though. Well, before you get to this next point, while we're talking about Joey Votto winning a ring, can you imagine the endorphins? I'm going to put a hypothetical in your hand. You're watching the National League Championship Series. They're playing the Atlanta Braves at Great American Ballpark. It's game six. Yes. It is a tight ball game. And 40-year-old Joey Votto comes up to the plate and puts one in the moon deck to give the Reds a lead. Hits the tundra sign. Listen, I, I, I don't mean to be, get melodramatic. I've had that exact scenario in MLB The Show 2021. <laughs> it was my third season, World Series, Game 6. Joey Votto ripped one to that same exact part of the, part of the field that you said, walk-off home run to win the World Series. I don't think I would be able to I, – I, my body would combust if that, if that were to happen. Truly, truly, With there would Jonathan not be – With Jonathan Indy on second base. Huh? With Jonathan Indy on oh second base. Oh, my God. Oh my God, Jonathan, you give the first one to hug him in a World Series race. Jacob Tissett laying on the floor dead, like a dead dog over there, just dead. Look at him. He's not even there. He's not even there right now. I think that would that would break that would be the best moment of my life. Wedding, birth of my child. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, 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 nah. It would be Joey Votto walk-off home run in the World Series to clinch. That would be my number one. But the priest be my next point, Reed. Should Joey Votto be playing right now? People are very upset with Joey Votto. Joey Votto has nine home runs, should be 10, was robbed of a home run last night, right? Shout out Altman. I think that was Altman. Uh, in 32 games played, he's hit nine home runs, should be 10. I know Joey's hitting 190 right now. The old heads love to look at 190 and be like he shouldn't play on the field. Mm-hmm. Guy still has a 790 OPS. There's still value for Joey Votto. Is he an everyday player? No. And he's not an everyday player. He plays against right-handed pitching. I think there's still absolutely a spot for Joey Votto, even on the bottom half of this lineup. For for what and it's we, worth, and we can talk about Strand. Strand maybe later in this show, but Strand hasn't been playing well. I know he's a rookie. I know you have to give him time. He's not like Ellie and Matt, and they just came up and started hitting bombs right away. I get it. But Joey Votto, there's still absolutely a role on this team, 100. percent And that's not even counting uh, putting into the fact that he's getting paid 26 million. Joey Votto should be on the field right now. Joey, you, you mentioned OPS, and I, I bring this point up a lot when people – and OPS is, is a much better metric to or number to judge a player's performance than batting average, like, like you said the old heads like to use. But it is worth noting that the, the one flaw that OPS has is that it's equal parts on base and slugging when on base is valued way more, and Joey Votto is getting on base about 31% of the time, which is not very good. Is not very good. 
No, but I think league average is 330, right? Right. It's a small sample size. Give Joey some more time. Again, the power is there. You can see it. Ten, almost 10 home runs in 32 games is, is pretty damn good. Joey Votto absolutely still has a role in the bottom half of this lineup. If you put him 7, 8, 6, not, probably not 6, if you, if you move him down to 7, 8, once Strand starts figuring it out, Against, well, like right, he, against right-handed pitching, Joey Votto, absolutely. Even in a pinch-hitting role. You saw it with Albert Pujols his last year in, in St. Louis last year. There was still power there. There's still, there's still a role to be had, even if you're not an everyday player, even if you're not as good as you once were. But Joey Votto still deserves a spot on this roster. The, the question is, is can those two things happen in unison? Can Joey Votto still have a spot on this roster, a spot on this team, and CES continue to grow as a hitter? Can those two things happen? Yeah, absolutely. That's why the DH hand position exists. At some point, you're going to need your catcher, Tyler Stevenson, to learn how to catch a baseball. But other up until then, yeah, that's what the DH spot is for. Joey Votto should be a permanent DH. Strand should be a permanent first baseman. That's what it should be. But unfortunately, we have a catcher who doesn't know how to catch a, a damn baseball. So that's, that's the issue. You have three catchers on this roster, which makes no sense to me. Luke Maley has cemented his spot as the second catcher. Kirk Casale, respectfully, send you to the sun. Say hi to the stars for me because you're not very good and you don't play baseball games. That's, that's just a fact. Kevin Newman last night played his first game in three weeks. So, no, I, I think Joey Votto absolutely has a spot. Strand absolutely has a spot. Against a left-handed pitcher, plug-and-play Newman, whatever. Plug and play Senzel. Whatever. Well, I'm, I'm just piecing this all together. But so you went CES to play first, Vado to DH. Against right-handed pitching, yes. Against right-handed pitching. Yes. So this puts Steer in the outfield? Yep. Okay. He's, he's been known to do it. It's what he's going to have to do. Some would say he's a leader of men. Over TJ Friedel and Jake Freely. Jake Freely. Yeah, Jake Freely, Jake Freely can't hit lefties. Okay. Jake Freely legitimately well, can't hit lefties. Well, we're TJ, talking about in a right-handed, batter, right-handed lineup. Well, then you could then you could platoon them. You could you can plug and play on certain days, in that in that situation, in that in that scenario. Yeah. Okay. Or India just doesn't play. I would rather have Steer, by the way, or India doesn't play. Fine, or India whatever. doesn't play. Yeah. Fine, whatever. India, Jonathan India sucks. Is that what you want me to say? Is no, that what I'm just to trying to piece this together. There's too many. There's too many cooks in that kitchen. I agree with you. I, and but I think Joey Votto and Jonathan. Prob- it's jo- a great problem to have. Right and now. Joey Votto is. Clear, clear as day, the easiest guy that you take out of the lineup. Spencer Steer has been a, in, in, in a big rut right now. I would rather have Spencer Steer face lefties. And if you're going to force him in the outfield anyway, put him, in, put him there against left-handed pitching, against righties, Joey Votto's DH. Okay. Or you bench Jonathan India. You can bench Jonathan India. He's, by the way, Jonathan India is out. We didn't even mention that. Jonathan India is out indefinitely with plantar, a, yep, yep. plantar fasciitis. Right? So you're not going to be seeing Jonathan India for a while. I don't know if this was an actual injury. It seems to be. Or if it's just frustration, phantom IL stuff, I don't know. If I'm going to be honest, maybe just to lock him up, just to insult all the fans like Evan Maurer who wanted him gone at the deadline. But no, I think I think Joey Votto against right-handed pitching still has the power numbers to be up there. He still has the career batting average OBP with the bases loaded, with runners on base, to be a productive bat in the lineup. I do believe that. And if fans want to disagree, that's fine. But I'd ask you to look at his Hall of Fame career. So, yeah, Joey Votto has a spot. Now, with Jonathan me, India, the Jonathan India stuff, I don't know what we do there. Jonathan India, this is my guy. So, you'd I'm rather, wearing, you'd rather have Votto shirt. in the lineup every day than Jonathan India? Yeah, I okay. would. Turn yep. around, Elliot. No, I'm not going to turn around. Turn around. I, I'm not going to turn around. Turn around. But I, Tell no, us the story on this shirt. I know because, you brought it up before. 
I so the I think it was I forget what game it was. We were there. It was my, a couple Fridays ago. Yeah. I think it was the Diamondback series. Yeah, that's that's probably accurate. We went into the stadium. Jonathan Indy had a good game. Bought the jersey. Day later, he, they, everybody's saying he's traded. Yep, he's and on Nick the trading Crawl, block. Nick Crawl declares he's traded. But whatever, that's fine. I just I just think in my heart of hearts, Jonathan Indy has done everything he's can he he could for this city. City met him with vitriol. That's fine if you want to do that. Does he have a spot in the future? Absolutely not. Jonathan India, I love you, but you have no role in the team. You're a horrible defender, piss poor defender. I mean, I just really bad. I've tried to defend Jonathan India's defense. That play he made against the Brewers in the last game of the series was one of the worst I've ever seen. It was 15 yards away from the first baseman. I mean, that was ugh. Uh, offensively, I still think his numbers are good. I still think he's going to merit some kind of return. I still think a lot of teams consider him valuable. But unfortunately, it hasn't worked. I don't know if it's been a mental thing, and I was going to make this point earlier. Baseball, I'd argue, is the one sport right next to golf where the mental side of the sport is so important. It supersedes, yeah, because you're spent so much time with your thoughts. And I think there's almost there's all like your fundamentals can only do so much if your brain is just in a frenzy. If if the city wants you gone, if David Bell's moving you to one, three, six, seven in the lineup every day, five in the lineup. I do think Jonathan India's mental capacity has been challenged. It's been tested. And I think he lost the battle this year. It sucks. I, do I still think he can contribute this season? Absolutely. Absolutely, I, th I think he can. I think he's more, been more valuable than Tyler Stevenson. Do I, the positions are vastly different. I get it. But it just hasn't worked for Jonathan India. It sucks. He's on the IL right now. Stuart Fairchild's been brought up. I do think Kevin Newman or Nick Senzel will be gone tomorrow. Nick Senzel and Kevin Newman, as Reed laughs at me. Whenever Reed laughs at me, I know I'm just going on a rant. So <laughs> I mean, let me continue my rant. Nick Senzel, <laughs> Kevin Newman, they'll be gone by tomorrow by 6 p.m. They'll either be cut or they'll be traded. They, I don't know what it'll be. Nick Senzel has zero negative value against right-handed pitching. He offers some value against lefties, but in the outfield he looks kind of a mess. Kevin Newman is a decent defender, can hit left-handed pitching. I'd rather have Kevin Newman on my roster than Nick Senzel at this point, I would guess. Uh, what, what kind of return you can get for them, I don't know. I'd say none. Uh, Jose Barrera is a name that we've, people have been throwing out to try to trade. TJ Friedel trying to trade. TJ Friedel's been fine. Give him some, give him some time. He's earned an off month. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the Reds do with Jonathan Indy at this point. Yeah, it's, I was going to ask you this question about 15 minutes ago, but we'll keep it rolling with the idea. Do we think that the Reds make a big splash by the trade deadline tomorrow? I mean, we've been, we've been hearing rumors. We've been talking about who the Reds are going to get at the trade deadline for six weeks now, ever since the Reds took first place, ever since the Reds were a serious postseason contender. And it was, what arms do we get? What, what are we going to do? Now it's, what are we going to do with Jonathan India? Then you got all these periphery players that we've heard. Uh, do they have trade value? You know, you just threw Jose Barrera out there, Kevin Newman, Nixon Zell, all these names that have come up through the past six weeks when we're talking about this. The trade deadline is upon us. It'll happen tomorrow afternoon. Do we think that the Reds make a big splash or has the last six weeks been pretty much a big nothing burger of talking about who the Reds are going to get? I think it's a nothing burger. I don't think the Reds do anything tomorrow. Maybe they go out and get a get some kind of an arm, but I, I really don't. I, don't. I don't think there's anything that's going to happen for the Reds between today and tomorrow off the field as far as the trade deadline goes. Maybe something happens on, you know, on the field, the Reds – Hopefully it can, it can start the series off the right way tonight against the Cubs. I just don't think there's anything that the Reds are willing to do right now, mortgaging their future on this season. It's just not going to happen 
to go out there and make any kind of a move that the general public and not the not the people that are super into it, not the people that are you know analyzing every single prospect in the minor leagues and are following every single thing that the Reds do at every level. You know, the, the Nick Kirby's of the world, mm-hmm. you know, Trace, all, everybody that follows every single inch of this team. I don't think there's going to be any move that gets the general fan really that excited. Yeah. That the, w- which would be like a, like a Justin Verlander or something like right, that. Right, or Jonathan India being moved. Yeah. Or something, something along those lines where it's a serious piece that either affects the team or yeah. a team leaving right then and now. Maybe they get a name, you know, like a Brent Suter, which – I say people wouldn't know except that people around here would know because he's a Mueller guy. You know, I'm talking about a big name, some big splash thing that the Reds do that, uh, you know, some fan that maybe watches two innings a week would understand. No, I I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think I'm closer to that just because it's, it's, it's not because I don't think that the Reds are actively trying or anything like that. I think it's just, I mean, I know that most deals happen in the final day, but we just haven't heard enough about the Reds and what pieces we heard that they're looking to move Jonathan India about two weeks ago. He's on the IL. It doesn't seem likely that he leaves now. You can't trade a guy on the IL anyways, right? Correct. That's right. So, so Jonathan India, he's done. He's done. He's, he's here going forward. And then you got Justin Verlander. I seriously don't think that that was ever truly serious. No, it wasn't. It's, it's going to be a piece. The Reds will trade for something. But I just don't think it's going to be a needle mover at all. Yeah, I have inside sources. I won't. I won't tell my sources. But the Reds will make a move at some point in this deadline. They will. Uh, I believe it will be for some kind of reliever, left-handed. Would you have? Will you have heard of the reliever before the deal gets made? Will I have? Yeah. Like, or is it going to be like a guy from the Royals that you immediately open up his baseball reference page and be like, oh, he's all right? Yeah. No, I think I, I will have heard of him. I will have heard of him. Uh, I think it'll be an okay move, but like Paul, there's not there's not going to be any superstar coming to town. There's not, and that's okay. The lineup is quite honestly filled with pretty good star power, I'd say. If you have to rank our lineup in the in, in Major League Baseball, it's top five, so maybe top six. Um, some of the AL East teams are are pretty damn good, but the Reds will make a move. It'll be enough. I'd argue that they don't really need to. One of the interesting pot the interesting parts of um, the show on Saturday with Nick Kirby, we threw the idea of maybe getting an outfielder. Yeah. Maybe getting a bat. I think that has some merit. Because Where would, well, I mean, you were just talking about CES <laughs> and Joey Votto playing every day, and we already talked about the log jam there. So to get a bat, you'd have to trade a major league piece away. Or you'd cut Nick Senzel or, you, or you'd cut Kevin Newman. Oh, so you're just talking about a platoon player. Yeah, like, I think I think like a guy, not a, not an everyday guy. No, yeah. The way the Reds have won games this season has been the platoon. I think a better right-handed bat is available at the deadline to replace a Nick Senzel, a Kevin Newman, who's just, I mean, they're just double plays waiting to happen. Double okay. plays or strikeouts waiting to happen. So I think there is a possibility there. I think Kirk Asali gets cut at some point really soon. There is no, there is just no, there's, he can't be on a major league roster. He can't be on the Reds. If he wants to go play for Oakland or Las Vegas, wherever the hell they got over there, go play over there. He can get 110 and catch games for, I can't even, I honestly got Caprillion. Caprillion, he still plays there, right? I don't know. Whatever whatever clown show they got over there in Oakland, he can go catch for them. But he doesn't play games for the Reds. Why is he occupying a roster spot? And this is going to be very interesting, too, come September, when you get the additional roster spot, right? And I don't know who they would bring up. I would assume it would be Noel V. But it could be also a roster move right now, right? 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think I think a bat would be interesting. I think a bat and a reliever. I would love to see a, a right-handed, a right-handed batter in the outfield, and a left-handed reliever. Those are my. That's my dream scenario. Are they going to be for, big names? Absolutely not. For for what it's Absolutely worth, not. right? Like for what it's worth, even if they do get a bat, even if they get do get a reliever, any move that the Reds are going to make, I I truly don't think that it's going to be one where you're anticipating their debut with the Cincinnati Reds. You know, it's it's not going to be a Justin Verlander. Oh, it's his first start. It's not going to be a big bat that plays every day. Nothing along those lines. It's just going to be simply things to to keep just adding depth to the Cincinnati Reds team to where when they play the Brewers, they don't only give up. They don't only score one run. Ham and Eggers, take it away. All right. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. I'm going to ask for one thing before we uh, do the ad read. I asked for this about three or four months ago, and I'm going to ask for it again since we got 232 people watching the show right now. If you could, if you're in the chat, put in the chat how you heard about the show, whether it's through word of mouth, whether it's through Twitter, whether it's through social media, whether it's somebody telling you that they like the show, a recommendation on YouTube, whatever it is. We're always trying to grow the show. We're trying to figure out how you learned about this show. So just put in the chat while you're listening to the Ham and Eggers segment right now. Where you heard about this show, how you started listening, maybe when you started listening to anything like that. Um, anyway, uh, this show is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. productivity. Oh, you can visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Also, the new I'm going to stop calling it new because it's not new anymore. It's Pawnee Water. They've been our sponsor since basically day one. And it is a premium alkaline water that is the best tasting water in the world. They're made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, right across the street. They do not use that artificial processing. Casey's just slamming the water right now. We love it. Thank you, Pawnee Water. You can visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com to see where you can buy it. Drink Pawnee Water. Get your coffee from UDF. Bet with Betfred Sports. And get your technology solutions from Encore. So we mentioned it earlier today about the the scheduling, the programming notes of um, it's going to be us in the room for, for the next few days. Um, Wednesday through Friday, it'll just be Casey and Paul because uh, me and Elliot have to go do one of the, the periphery things they do here at Chatterbox Sports. We got to go up to Chicago, work a, work on one of our video boards, and we're going to go to a, a game at Wrigley. I'm excited. It would be my third time at Wrigley. The uh, National Landmark. National Landmark. Yeah, they got great grass on the walls there. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I plan on doing some kind of trolling there. I don't know what I'm going to do in Chicago. Maybe I'm going to dress up like Steve Bartman and go sit in the seats. I haven't, I haven't fully decided yet. I haven't thought about it fully. But I'm going to do something in Chicago to insult the fan base. I don't know what yet, but I'm going to hurt their feelings. I'm very excited for it. And when the Reds win that night, Reed, I don't know what kind of bet we're going to make. We're going to make some kind of a bet. It's going to be have, we're going to have some kind of bet for you tomorrow for that game. We'll be tweeting about it. We'll be, doing, we'll be, we'll be sharing our, our live reactions from the game tomorrow or Wednesday, whatever. Wednesday night. Uh, but I'm excited. I am excited to go to a game with Reed. Reed, I don't know if you know this about Reed. Reed doesn't really like me a whole lot. He's welcomed me in this office very timidly. He doesn't really talk to me a whole lot when the cameras are off. 
But, you know, Paul and Casey over there, they're my guys. I go to war for them. Jacob was my guy before Nick Saban recruited him back to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama. So I don't know what we're, I don't know what Reed and I are going to talk about, really. I'm concerned about that. This Wednesday, it's going to be Brandon Williamson versus presumably Hayden Wesneski, so not the most brilliant pitching matchup that we're, we're going to see that whole time, although Brandon Williamson has been very sharp. I have not been to Wrigley Field since 2019. I did not get to go to Wrigley till I was 18. I went there for a graduation present from high school. My dad took me out there. That was the final year before they put in the scoreboards. That was the final year before, yeah, they were the last team to have scoreboards. That was 2015 was the first year of that. That was when they still had the bullpens on the field. I have never seen the Cubs play anybody but the Reds. That's like I saw them play the Pirates this year. That was the first time. Anytime I've been up to Wrigley, they've played the, they've played the Reds. Um, I saw Roldis Chapman when they had the bullpens on the field. I then went every year for during that whole run, and then 2019 came around, and that was the last time I got to go out there. COVID, 2021, 2022, just haven't been out there since 2019, so I'm incredibly excited. Also got to see Pearl Jam at Wrigley Field, which is really cool if you know Eddie Vedder is a, a huge, uh, huge Chicago Cubs fan. Are we going to see the Bean? Uh, it's, can, can it we, seems, no, no, it no, no, seems no, like no. if you go to Chicago, you got to go see the Bean. Now that I said it, we're de- Reed and I are definitely going to the Bean and taking a picture by the Bean. We got to do all the touristy things. Yes, I've, I've, I've for, for what's funny is, is every time I've gone to Chicago, which is like seven, eight times, yeah. I have seen the Bean every single really? time. Oh yeah, I've, I go see it every time. I've never seen it. My friends wouldn't let me see it. What? I, I well, yeah, because it's kind of a meme at this point. It's kind of a joke. Nobody actually wants to see the Bean. You just want to stand in front of it and take a picture and make fun of it. But that's fine. They got a cool little statue there of a Bean. Uh, I haven't been Come to the, I haven't been to the beach or the big Ferris wheel. I've seen. You never been to the Navy Pier? No, I've never been to the pier. So you haven't experienced Chicago a whole lot? Nope, nope. Just, I have not. Just straight to Wrigleyville and back. We had we had some of the good uh, pizza, Chicago style pizza. We explored the Which city. Which one did you go the to? Neighborhood. Did you go to Giordano's, Luminati's? That one. That one. That one. The the first fir- one. Giordano's. They're all good. I I I'm not close enough to the flame to know which one's best. If you had an Italian beef sandwich or a Chicago dog, any of the 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 Chicago staples, we'll do it all. We got one day together. Before I, I come back. I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I plan on documenting some of this trip. Um, but I'm excited for Chicago. Reds need this series badly. Badly. Who needs it more? Well, this is a good one. Who needs this series more? Reds or Cubs? The Cubs. Because if they lose, they're done. <laughs> they, 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 they're, they're buyers based on this whole... If this series was one week earlier, it would give so much more clarity on what the Red, on the Cubs are trying to do. But the fact that only one game happens before the trade deadline is incredibly scary. It's incredibly scary. Are you concerned that a nine-game win streak against two subpar teams is going to prevent you from potentially The Cubs have won six of seven series. Do I have to go back and look at the competition between those six? Because three of them were against the – two of them were Cardinals. One of them was White Sox. One of them was Nationals. Okay. And then the Yankees and the Brewers. Okay. So then two good ones. The Yankees were kind of floundering when they played them, though. Yankees have been kind of in a rut. Bottom of the AL East. Brewers are – Do they still have a better record than the Reds? Brewers – I don't think so. I don't think so anymore. Brewers are an okay team. Yankees are 55 and 50. They do not. Okay. Uh, Yankees, I'd argue, Yankees series kind of sparked this Reds turn too. Yankees kind of came into town and just destroyed us. That was the Anthony Rizzo series. There are are Cubs players. Like we talk about Brewers pitching that have just dominated the Reds. Anthony Rizzo and Ian Happ have the Reds number. Every single game Hap, they play. Hap, Hap doesn't leave Cincinnati without a home run. So I, it's incredible, dude. I looked up their splits. I think Hap's still hitting like 340 against the Reds for his career. Just incredible. 
but yeah, I, I, I think that, that Yankee series was kind of almost a turning point. They got swept too, right? Was that a sweeping? Yeah, the 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 Yanks beat yeah, swept the Reds. And then they got and then they got brutalized by the Brewers. And then after that, Reds became the best team in baseball. If you recall the when the when the Cubs went to New York and beat the Yankees two out of three, it was the first time that the Cubs had ever won a game in New York against the Yankees. Which is I mean, for two franchises that have been around, I think the Yankees came about like in nineteen ten, something like that. Um for two teams that have been around for over 100 years, <laughs> to never win one game. They've played in the World Series multiple times, too. The Cubs won, like, 13 of the first 30 NL pennants and only won two World Series. They just kept losing in the World Series. Who do you think is a more storied franchise, the Chicago Cubs or the Cincinnati Reds? Mm. The because Reds. I, think, I think Chicago Cubs have picked it up as of late. They were a joke for a long time. The, Reds, the Cubs have been to more World Series, but they also didn't make the postseason for 50 straight years. That's... <laughs> well, that was. That's well, that crazy. was. Well, like, <laughs> imagine being as arrogant as these Cubs fans are. It was forty and making the playoffs for fifty years. We well, <laughs> Reed comes in with three inch shorts, and he thinks the Cubs are God's great gift, and they didn't make the playoffs for fifty years. You, got, <laughs> you do realize how the playoffs were formatted, right? Yeah, I do. But the Cubs only are such one a team joke. from each league made the postseason until the, the Reds 70s. are going to sweep this series. I changed my mind. I forgot about. It. Thanks for reminding me. This is a good. This is good. The Reds are way better. They're a more storied <laughs> franchise in every aspect. Cubs, you lose. More pennants. Better all-time win percentage. I don't know what to tell you. Don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right. Um, Joe Burrow. Ooh. Grade one cat strain. Casey, yeah. did you come off the ledge? Have I come off the ledge? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he'll be all right. I think uh, – He's going to probably play week one. And I think he's actually going to have practice before week one. Um, I, I don't have any, any sort of data or anything to back that up. It's just a hunch I got. Grade one calf strain is just, you know, it's not a grade two. And grade two, those linger quite, mm -hmm. quite a while. Um, I'm not worried at all. I mean, he, he came back from having a, an organ taken out of his body and made it for week one. And it was against the Steelers, and I know people are saying, are they really going to throw him out there against Miles Garrett? Well, he, he went up against T.J. Watt. Like, what, what difference is there really? He's going to play week one. You think you truly believe that he's going to play week one? I do. I do. I don't think he would – I don't think he would uh, – if he has the choice, I don't think he will try to miss week one. If he's at 80% for week one, would you want him to play? Hmm. Well, with the, the way that uh, the Browns series has gone for – series. The way that these Browns games have gone for the Bengals as of late with Joe Burrow at the helm, maybe not. I mean, it, they just seem like to they, – they have our number. It is a division um, game, which sucks. But. Yeah, that, that's the one thing that sucks about it. It's division. It's the opener for the, for the NFL season. And you start off with another loss, which um, – you know, you then start that narrative of this team just always starts slow, and it's seemed to haunt us later on down down the road when it matters when we're trying to get that number one seed. Games like this matter, um, but again, I just I don't think he's sitting out, man. I mean, it, he I 
even at 80, 85%, I think he's going to play. The fact that it's a grade one doesn't worry me at all. Because even if he, I don't even necessarily think he has to be there for week one. Yeah, it's a division game. Yeah, it's against the Browns. But this team can still make the postseason without Joe Burrow for three weeks. So I would, if, if you're asking me personally, if it's 80% Joe Burrow on week one, or, and you, you lose the game, whatever, you just play the three, the first three weeks as is. I, I want Joe Burrow at full health before he comes back. Oh, I agree. I, I think personally, if he has the option, if he, if he said, if the coaches say, Joe, are you going to play week one? How are you feeling? I'm, I'm like at an 80, 85%. I'm going to still go out there anyways. I think that's the, just the type of guy that he is. I mean, I don't think he was 100% week one last year. Right. Definitely wasn't. I mean, he right. was 15 pounds lighter going into that it game. It didn't show. Didn't have a good week one. Yeah, I mean, he, he was chugging, apparently, peanut butter shakes, like, just to try to gain back that weight. So, I don't know. I, has, there, has there ever been a bigger letdown than after the, the Bengals' po- Super Bowl run? And the entire summer, you're just September 10th or September 11th, whenever the first game was last year. We get to see Joe Burrow play football again. I mean, we, me and my buddies talked about it for months. Oh, yeah. So excited. We had a wedding the night before, and that's literally all we talked about. While we're celebrating our friend get married, we're just like, dude, we get to see Joe Burrow play football tomorrow. And he comes out and throws four interceptions, and the Bengals lose in maybe the most horrific way possible. <laughs> yeah, I still – I, I uh, damned Drew Sample. I had to even uh, forgive him on air. I, most of the, the people in the chat probably don't remember that, but I was mad at Drew Sample for that game. Mm-hmm. Still uh, are. Still am. I, I still don't like him, but he's on the team anyways. I don't know why, but he, he's on the team. Because <laughs> he's a leader. He's a leader of the clubhouse. That's why. Oh, leader of the clubhouse? Are you memeing, your, are you memeing yourself? I do think he is best friend. I'm pretty sure he is best friends with Zach Taylor, though, if I'm going to be honest. I do think, you know, I do think that's why he's best friends with. Huh? You know who he's friends with? Who? E-Train. DJ? Yeah, DJ E-Train. They're always hanging out. Oh, no. Uh, I, have, I do have a source. Oh, so- no. I, have, I do have a source. Uh, I have a source inside. I won't, I won't tell my source, but my source does say this Joe Burrow injury is, is not a nothing burger, but he will be, he will be there week one. That's I'm good. Pretty, I'm I love sure, to hear that. I'm pretty sure he'll be 100% week one. I would be willing to put every single dollar in my bank account on Joe Burrow. Well, you need to because you were one. laughing at us when we were when we were just in the lowest we've ever been in our entire lives. I was not Paul, laughing at you, Paul. I was, Paul, laugh, I called, I was no, laughing no, at the overreaction. That's what Paul, I was laughing at. I called at. Jacob. No. I called Jacob, and I don't think he has it on speaker. No. But I no, called no. Jacob, and I just go, how bad is it? And immediately he starts talking to me, and I just hear Paul – giggling in the la- in the background just from across the room. I will not forgive Paul. And he's not he's not even telling th- how he broke the story. He was laughing as he was breaking the story to us cuz he thought it was fake. Turns no, no, no. I knew it was real. I just so was, you, you I was just that? doing the mental math in my head that he had he had a sleeve on his leg already. It was a 100 degree day and they cart all these injuries across the road because it's so far from the stadium. I'm just doing the mental math in my head and going, yeah, he'll he'll be all right. He just goes, he'll be all right. <laughs> Joe Burrow carted off the field. What? Paul. What? How are you the most relieved that it's a it's a grade one calf strain? I was literally never. Because if it was a grade three, if it was if he was missing half the season, yeah, that wouldn't be good. 
That would be good. We'd be coming at you. Uh, that's right. There was never one ounce at any point in that entire saga where I was even remotely worried. Not one ounce. Oh, he was being totally malicious. <laughs> Not one ounce. 100%. Not one ounce. Everett Henry said, my wife, who works in medicine, got way too many calf strain questions when she got home from work that day. As, as That's great, Everett. That's great. That's you, that's you putting your nose on the grindstone and being a fan. That's what it's about. You're doing the digging. You're doing the digging. You're figuring it out. Th this city's... You know, I actually told these guys, I said, when Joe Burrow went down, I said, do you know how much pressure if Joe Burrow can't play this year that just put on the Cincinnati Reds? Because the Cincinnati Reds at this very moment are, are playing fantastic. They're, they're, they're postseason. But if, if the football season's gone, awash, Joe Burrow's gone, torn Achilles, whatever. Oh, man. A lot more pressures put on the Cincinnati Reds to, to give us a little bit of excitement this fall. But luckily that's not the case. Joe Burrow's going to be okay, presumably. I still hold that if he's not 100% by week one, I don't want him to play. I'm okay with throwing Trevor Simeon, Trevor Simeon out there because I want a healthy Joe Burrow for the second half of the season because I know this team's good enough to make the postseason, and I know this team with Joe Burrow on the field can beat pretty much anybody. When does football season start? Not not like I know when the season starts. I know when all that's. I know when's, that, when's week one? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm asking. When you're a fan, right? Yeah. When does that start for you? When it does depends. Your, when for does Casey, your, it yeah. already started. Okay. Yeah, it's already started. For Casey, it already starts. Okay. Me, it depends directly on how good a, uh, a team that wears pinstripes on the north side of Chicago is doing. All right. Because it starts earlier. If, if they're not good. Okay, that's fair. For me personally, I'm you guys know this, I'm a big baseball guy. Baseball is always my number one sport. For me, f football season doesn't start until we have our fantasy draft. So I have I have a group of buddies. Uh, this is our 11th, 12th year of this fantasy league. We started freshman year of high school. It has evolved. There is some, there, I think there are only four guys that have been there the entire time. But it's one of my favorite things to do. NFL season which I, I think is the real football season. Respect to college football. I love college football, but that's when I think football season is. It doesn't start till we have our fantasy draft. Okay. And that, and that draft for me will be coming up, I believe, in the second week of August. Okay. So that's when it starts time. for me. I don't, know, I don't know about you, Paul. Paul, you seem... Football? Paul seems like... Paul, like, Paul doesn't have a football. I know, that's what football. I'm I think Paul, Yeah, football. I think it it's baseball, like then it's college basketball. Mid-September, yeah. uh, it starts for Paul. Here, here's what I'll say about Paul's football viewing. Paul watches every single down of the Bengals. Paul doesn't watch much else. That's about that's, that's about where Paul checks out. That's crazy. That's me. that's how yeah. I was about five years ago. But really? oh yeah, when I was in college, I didn't sit down. I'd watch the Bengals, one o'clock every Sunday because they weren't playing a whole lot of primetime games. And then recently, I've you know in the past few years, I you know, I sit down and watch Monday night, Thursday night. I still don't watch a whole lot of college football. Here, I'm normally busy on Saturday. Here's the thing: I never played football growing up. I, my high school, we had a football team. It was not a very good football team, and we didn't have lights, so we played on like four home games on Saturday afternoons at 1 o'clock. Xavier didn't have a football team, and the Redskins always sucked, and I could never watch the Bengals. So I never really had like a, like a natural, mm -hmm. ingrown connection to football growing up. So that's, that's, that's kind of my, my football background. It was always baseball and basketball. I didn't, I didn't realize how big of a football fan I was until I was in college. Like... Like I always, my person, my personality when I was uh, from six years old 
to today is that I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. <laughs> like that that was that was my personality. They say don't don't have your personality be your sports teams and your political beliefs. Well, mine was purely centered around how good the Cubs were my entire life. I then realized in college, I was like, I I never thought about it before this, but I was like, I really care about how good the Bengals are. And it just like it like was like an aha moment, like, oh man. All right, I sit down and watch every single of these games. My my family had season tickets growing up. Why have I never thought about how big of a Bengals fan I am before right now? So Weren't now you surrounded by Browns fans too. In college, in college I was. College I was. Yeah. That had to do something, right? Oh, Ohio. Ohio's weird because if you get north of Dayton, if you get north of Dayton, no one cares about the Cincinnati Bengals. You might like. I lived in Lima, which they they. Uh, you can kind of pick if you're a Browns. You can. It's two hours from Cincinnati. It's two hours from Detroit. It's four hours from Chicago, and it's three hours from Cleveland. So you kind of have your pick of the litter up there. But almost ninety percent of Lima are Browns fans. Now, coincidentally, ninety percent of baseball fans in that town are Reds fans. They come down. I don't know why that is. Like if you go to Columbus, where you can pick either way, it's normally people from Columbus are typically. Browns fans and Reds fans. And I assume that is just because of the Browns been a team for longer. They were, they were the team of the sixties and and seventies when the Bengals were first getting going. And then I presume that they chose the Reds over the Indians because simply the Reds have been better. The, the guardians for all their success in the past 20 years still haven't won a world series in 70 years or 80 years close to it now. So it's just weird. It gets like that. But you're right. Um, being around, you you know, Elliot was just laughing at how bad the, the, the Cubs, how high and mighty the Cubs have been, Cubs fans are, despite not winning a single playoff series from 1908 till 2003 and not making the postseason between 1945 and 1984. That's how Browns fans are, man. They are so insufferable. <laughs> just, they're just always terrible. They always have been terrible, but I'll give them credit. I'll give them credit because I very well under understand that the, the Chicago Cubs are the Browns of the MLB. The Cleveland Browns fans, they sit down and they just torture themselves every 1 p.m. And they convince themselves that every year is going to be better. Every quarterback is going to be better. It's going to be different, and it just has not been the case. It will someday. The Browns won't always be the laughing stock of the National Football League, but it's not happening anytime soon. No, they'll always be. No, they'll always be. No, they'll always be. Their stadium's horrible. Terrible stadium. Their city is terrible. Literally, if LeBron James never existed, the city of Cleveland might have been wiped off the earth. I mean, it might. you know what it was? You ever watch Cars? You know the movie Cars? Radiator Springs was just eliminated because Route 66. Cleveland might have just been eliminated. They just didn't. I mean, it just doesn't count. Their jerseys are the worst. Their helmets are the worst. Their field is the worst. They have no good players. They had 75 quarterbacks within a 10-year stretch. Their team's named after our owner. Oh, yeah, and their team's name is the Browns. Give me a break, guy. If it's Brown, you flush it down. That's the the saying. Their whole shtick is a joke. I mean, it's sad. I couldn't even. The river catches on fire. The river is on fire. Is it the Take river a look the outside, lake? Cleveland. Your river's on fire. That's how bad it is to live in Cleveland. I can't even imagine that existence. I, I, tr- I can't even imagine it. How did Cleveland Elliot. get the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Elliot, I don't know. Elliot, Elliot, how did they Elliot get the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? How did they get it? It Elliot, should be investigated. Elliot, should, Elliot, LeBron James probably paid for it. Elliot took smelling salt or something before this. I know. You know Elliot, did, well, excuse me say, for bringing the, bringing the hype on this show. Let's you, go. Uh, Let's go. 
Would you what say Casey? They stink? Would you say they stink? Casey, they, <laughs> Casey, brother, they stink so bad. I mean, you just can't even be in the same room. I mean, truth. I, Deshaun Watson. Casey has a lot of shticks on this show. The Deshaun Watson being bad at football, that's one I actually agree with. That guy sucks. Imagine having that guy as your leader, your moral leader. <laughs> I, Deshaun Watson is atrocious. Atro- he's an atrocious. Sorry, he's a bad human being. He's bad so, at it. it okay? He's bad at being a good person. Is it okay if I play the cherry on top early? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just, just go it, ahead. Just do it. Just do it. This isn't the end of the show, but I am going to play the cherry on top because. If you watch this and you tell me that Deshaun Watson is a good quarterback, <laughs> then you, 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 you just aren't watching football. We're watching a different sport. But, uh. I mean, just a slap. That, this is so funny. He just runs away after slapping his teammate, and they just get in a scuffle. I mean, what a loser that guy is. What an absolute bum. Bum. Can we agree that the funniest thing in sports is the Browns jersey with all the names? I mean, they just kept drafting. I think one of the hardest things to do is get a get a generational quarterback. And a lot of times it's luck. Like the Bengals just lucked into the, having the one pick the year that Joe Burrow was up. And somehow the Browns just just kept getting it wrong. Yeah. It's not even. It's not even. We keep. We keep bringing up when you when you're at the casino and the tower shows ten straight blacks and you're like, let's go red. It's just they. They just kept trying, and they just kept going wrong. I mean, they drafted a thirty year old quarterback in the first round. What was that, Brandon Whedon? What was that? Yeah, it's bad. It's incredible. The Browns, I, the Browns are an insufferable fan fan base. I like, saw, I said, like I said, I understand that there's a lot of similarities between the Cubs. Not and to change the subject, this is kind of the same subject. I saw a Facebook Bengals fan in here, Charles. Shout out my guy Charles. He said Burrow injury inju- injury issues are starting to become a Carson Palmer thing. Buddy hit it. Buddy hit his appendix burst. <laughs> his appendix. That's an organ. You can't injure an organ on the field, guy. What are we doing? Joe Burrow does not have an injury problem. He hurt his calf. Give me a break. Joe Burrow is fine. Joe Burrow is going to win a Super Bowl for the Cincinnati Bengals, and nobody in their entire life is going to question whether he was an injury-prone quarterback. Is Joe Burrow, has, is there an athlete that has meant more to one city? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to take a stretch here. LeBron meant so much to the city of Cleveland for so long, before he left, and then he comes back. Joe Burrow means so much to this city that our happiness as a whole is dependent on if Joe Burrow's healthy, if Joe Burrow's playing well, if the Bengals are doing well. Can you guys think of another athlete that that is so heavily linked to one city? Oh, give me it a means second. so yeah. much. Yeah, give as me a- Joe Burrow does to Cincinnati. Like I said, I is as sad as it is, as as morbid as it is to think about this. If Joe Burrow passed away at a young age, we would parade his ca- coffin through the streets of Cincinnati like he was Abraham Lincoln. It'd be a 10 long a 10 day long just parade around the metropolitan area of Cincinnati. Um a lot of people in the chat are talking about Peyton Manning to Indianapolis. Yeah. Okay. Uh sure, sure. Uh Michael Jordan to Chicago, Kobe in LA. Did, did Kobe? I mean, I know Kobe um, but, yeah, was LA, I, but like, I, I don't, I don't think it's the same thing. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. It's not. That's more the demographic that just doesn't care. Yeah, so it, it's, it's not. It's not on Kobe. Kobe's well, obviously no, a more iconic even... thing. It's just, I think there's a lot more to do in, in yeah, LA yeah, than it there is in, in, in yeah, Cincinnati. I don't, 
do you think LeBron mean meant more to Cleveland than Joe does to Cincinnati? Because I probably I would think so. Yeah, LeBron meant more. Yeah, to, yeah I, I, for I think, sure. Yeah, um, they 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 got over that really quickly. By the way. Yeah. I mean, they they burnt the jerseys. And then he was off. back. Oh, yeah. Well, that's and just then, because that's just a vile city. I mean, what does the guy need to do? What is the? I mean, what does the guy need to do to help your bum city? I all mean, right, give they're me fine a break. with him. They're fine with him now. Yeah, after he came back, he came back to like get getting their good graces again after they torched him for no reason. That's like the state of the NBA now. You just leave after two years. You do it. You get a super max, and you go to whoever has the three best players in the league. I, I, that, the city of Cleveland stinks. LeBron to Cleveland probably means the most to, to any city, one player meaning to one city in, in the entire nation. That's a fact. I, I don't think there, it even comes close. Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, you got to think there's a lot of quarterbacks. Like, I, I imagine Aaron Rodgers. No, they had a strained uh, relationship no, up there in no, Green Bay because they didn't no. like him because he was a bad guy. Yeah. Brett Favre and no, when Favre was good? No. Tom Brady's the only other one. If you want to, if you want to argue, it's Tom Brady. Yeah, and there's those, there's those uh, rumors of like Catholic priests, like uh, not not talking about the Catholic priests on the boss. But yeah, they would like into into mass. Oh. By saying like, thank God for for Tom Brady. Oh yeah. Drew Brees. Drew Brees to Nola, sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I don't, I don't think Drew Brees is anywhere close to LeBron or Tom Brady. In no, terms of what th- they those mean are two extremes. Right, yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about the – I'm just like Joe I Burrow Drew, means Drew that much. I think Drew very comparable to, to yeah, Peyton Yeah, I agree. I agree. Tom Brady to the New England franchise because that, no, no, that right. resurrected Boston sports. It did. Because Boston sports were just Before terrible. 2000, Boston sports were not good. Oh, they were terrible. They were horrendous. So and the, now they're, the now they're the epicenter of the sports world. Not so much anymore, but they, they have been for two decades. Think about that. Before 2000, the, the Celtics were good. The Celtics were good yes. in the 80s and stuff like that. The Celtics had always been a pretty good franchise. But the Patriots had not won a Super Bowl. Bruins stunk. And the Bruins weren't good. And the Red Sox had not won a World Series since 1917. And then since then, it's just been incredible. Yeah, Elway, that was another good one. Roethlisberger to the Steelers. Shout out, sir boy. Um, I'm trying to think of baseball. But you see, like, no, I think the no. thing about Probably Big Ben is, is, is Big Ben had that. Like, I, I feel oh. like part of the reason – is is you, you got to convince yourself that he's a great human being too, right? Like that's why I think that Green Bay didn't love Aaron Rodgers because he was always at odds with the Packers. He was always, you know, there's there's always those character things, and I think that about Big Ben. Like, yeah, you you just go, yeah, he's great on the field, but like, does did he mean that much to Pittsburgh? Like, as much as Joe Burrow means to this city, I don't know. I didn't grow up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, but like, it seems it it does it seems like there would be people detractors. And the, the, the it's masses just, going like, well, what about those two? I have, a, I have a couple underrated ones. Calvin Johnson to the Lions when he was still playing. Maurice no. Jones-Drew to the, the Jags. They and, were the fans of those franchises, but I yeah. I don't think you woke up and, 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 and thank God for, for Maurice Jones-Drew being a Jacksonville Jaguar. Well, definitely Calvin Johnson then. Maybe Megatron Calvin. was... Mega, yeah, he's the best at his position. Second guys. <laughs> Not, probably not yeah. I'm trying to think of a baseball player. Um, I mean, A-Rod, Jeter, Jeter, Derek Jeter is one. But seriously, I think it also, you're, you're right. Derek Jeter is a massively beloved fan for what he did for the Yankees. Face of that. Oh, he was. But, the, he but was, like, there's also a lot to do in New York. Like, I is. think Big Poppy, Big Poppy is one of them. Big Poppy is a good, is a good name. Baseball is different because is. there's just so little that a baseball player can do for one team. Yep. So little that a baseball player can do. Yeah, and, and I think you make a really good point because, like, LeBron, outside of some 
some political waters that he has waded into right. has never done anything to Not upset anybody. Thing. He has been the absolute most stellar face of a sport. He was put on a pedestal at the age of 15 that .00001% of people could live up to, and he did it. He's you know, been married, has a family. He's never had a scandal. He's never had a crime. He's never had anything happen to him that has been anything short of positive outside of a few bad PR moves with, you know, like he's talked so much about doing the decision and all that. And then, you know, he's, he's made some political statements that a lot of people disagree with. Right. Like but, if the worst thing that you've done is get on ESPN as the biggest free agent in sports history and make your decision live on air. If that's the worst thing you've done as an athlete – you're doing pretty fine. Yeah, you're do, you're doing pretty good. And, and and to be the to be on the face of sports, you know, to be the face of Sports Illustrated, and and to have the cover, and and to do all of that, and then live up to it as potentially one of the greatest players in your sport of all time. I think he's kind of a goofball. Like you watch LeBron, videos. I think yeah, I mean, like the Lions. He's kind stuff. of a goofball. Yeah, yeah, he's a big goofball. Yeah, the 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 lion is funny. Like him. It's it's almost the, the the line like when they ask him about books and stuff like that like he's always holding a Malcolm X book or, or or was for a while and they'd ask him and he's and he'd be on the first page or he would just say some bland thing about the book. It, it, it's almost like he's he's putting on the persona as well like he's living up to it. He's yeah. like he's like I'm LeBron. I've, I haven't done anything wrong. I've been the face everything and and he's earned that right. He's earned that. But he's also playing into the bit a bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was kind of like going to the Taylor Swift concert, and I realized she's just a big theater kid up there. Like, the, she mm -hmm. just talked, like, the whole time in between songs, and she's saying the goofiest things, and I'm realizing, oh. She is goofy. Like, she's so goofy. Like, nerdy, goofy, just having a fun time up there on stage, and, uh, you know, I, I look at LeBron, and I think, man, this, this is a guy that's been in the league now for 20-plus years, and he's never... Never been arrested, never had anything, and and credit to him for being able to handle all that and 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 be a model and a good role model and everything else. So, ooh, you know who's a baseball player who didn't have success? Um, at least the team didn't have success, but the city loves him, and he's maybe the most be universally beloved athlete because everyone has detractors, right? But to say anything wrong about this guy would just be weird. Ichiro. Yep. Seattle oh, yeah. loved Ichiro, and everyone loves Ichiro, but also the Mariners never made the postseason his rookie year and never made it again while he was there. But Ichiro, Ichiro is just wildly beloved in Seattle. There could have been a guy in Cincinnati before he became a scumbag that was universally beloved, but I won't mention him. Uh, I'm trying to think that's a good. That's a good one, too. Like it it he, is a good one. Right? It like, is, that's that arguably it's probably the best one in baseball. I think objectively, like how much he meant to this city. Like, and how much he still means with a lot of people. It is crazy. I just think he's an absolute loser scumbag. It is. Respectfully. It is crazy that he was the third best player on that team. I know. Yeah. By, like, a decent margin and was easily the most beloved. Yeah. Easily the most beloved. Yeah, it's just wild. Just passion for the sport. By the way, LeBron, I, did you see this report? This is a tough report oh, no. to read. Oh, no. The LeBron's I Believe School, the, all the current eighth graders, they haven't passed a math test and like, five years <laughs> well, uh, mr hamiltucky was pointing out in the chat that 
something happened with that over the summer that those kids didn't even go to school or something? Yeah. That there was some misinformation there? Listen, LeBron is a Hall of Fame basketball player. Might not be the best principal of a school. <laughs> might not be the best one. <laughs> might not be the best one. Might not be. He's, you know, he's trying to throw alley-oop dunks. Maybe when he's trying to assign, you know, payroll and trying to get the curriculum together, maybe he's not the best. Maybe he's the best, not the best suited for that. Anyone got an update on Bronny? Is he okay? Uh, he was he was stable, he was, right? I think he's okay. Right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he got released from the hospital and he was That's home good. with the fam. God, I hope he. God, I man. hope he's okay. I hope he can play. I I really That's, that would be such a shame. That would be a shame. God, it would be such a shame, and uh, yeah, it's 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 it would be such a shame because he's good and he'll play in the NBA. Can we stop comparing athletes to their dads? Nope. Nah, Can we do that? No. Can we stop absolutely. doing that? Not when you're LeBron James's son. Yeah, but like, brutal. it's not fair to the kid. Imagine. It's simply well, of not. It's not, it's it's not fair, fair to, to the kid. Charlie it's Woods. To, to say that that Bronny James is not going to have a great career because he literally cannot have a better career than his dad. That's just ludicrous. Is what it is. It's ludicrous. We've done this with so many athletes. So many athletes. Archie Manning. Archie Manning's going to be the next one. He can't live up to that. And it's not even his dad, but it's his, his uncles. Imagine being Charlie Woods. Yeah. If Charlie Woods has a Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth type career, think about how good those guys great. have been I'll, in their great. career. I'll say this, though. I think it's a little different with golf because there is not one person going to ever root against Charlie Woods. There is not a single person. When, when you're a quarterback. Are you going to root against Bronny James? People absolutely will. Absolutely, they're going to root against Bronny James if he's not on your team. That's not. That's that's what I don't. That's. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Right. People I are just going to be mean. like, he's he's not that good. He's not that good. He's just playing because yeah. his dad. And it's like, from from what I read, he's 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 an NBA talent, right? Like he's he's right there as a borderline NBA talent. He's going to be a a great college basketball player by all means, at least talent wise. It's 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 not fair. It's not fair to Bronny. Nope. But maybe that's the life you live when. You grow up and have all the advances that he has had in life. So, Did you guys see – not to change the subject. I hate to change the subject. But there were some wild MLB trades last night. There were some wild ones. Yeah, I was going to get into that. What about the – The Angels have unlimited budget, right? I mean, that's just what that is. They just get whatever they want all the well, time. Well, like I said, if, if the Angels have decided – there's, there's, a, there's a portion – you know, we talked about this. Uh, we talked about the Cubs have to do and stuff like that. There, there was uh, – as a team, with Shohei Otani being a free agent, the, maybe the greatest player to ever play, you've got he, he, he wants to go to a contender. And I actually saw Cubs beat writers talking about the fact that part of the reason that the Cubs decided to buy was because they want to show to Shohei Otani that they want to compete. Now, that is what the Angels are doing within, within their own clubhouse. They said, we have one of the greatest athletes of all time. Maybe the greatest to ever play this sport. And we are in the midst of his best season yet as an athlete. And to think that they're not going to buy. Yeah, is it is it a little ludicrous that they, they could have gotten a huge, huge return for, for Shohei Otani? Yeah, they, by all means, they should have done that. Should have tore it down. And you can still go get Shohei Otani in the offseason. But you can't blame them either. <laughs> You can't blame the Angels for what they're trying to do. They have Mike Trout, who could walk into Cooperstown today, was the best player of the last 10 years. 
They have Shohei Otani, who is maybe already locked up that he's the best player this decade, and we're already in, we're only in year four of it. He might be the greatest player of all time. And they're just saying, listen, we're, we're in the best position that we've had with these two guys under the fold to make the postseason. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Does it make a whole lot of sense in what other teams have shown in the past? No. But let's go after it. I think there is a valid point to that. And again, the, the, the idea that you can't compete until there's one unified year and that one year you have to go all in and you only get that one year window. That's ludicrous, dude. I think, I mean, you look at the Rams. I don't like to shout out OJ in the chat in his Rams. They don't have a draft pick for the next 15 years, but they went all in, right? They went all in and won a Super Bowl. If the Reds went all in this year and they won a World Series, they, they have a 10-year gap with me where they could just be atrocious. They really do. They could be bad for a long time. So I think that's the part of, go, that's the part of going all in where this fan base hasn't seen a championship in so long. So long. I, Cincinnati's one of the greatest sports towns in the country. I haven't seen a championship in 30-plus years. Just crazy. I, I, I think if the Reds were to go all in and make some kind of absurd moves at this deadline, they just got everybody. And they went all in. They won a World Series this year. I think the fan base, every single member of this fan base, uh, any any guy who has some, some sort of knowledge about baseball is like, you have to wait for the future. You have to wait for the future. They'd walk it all back. If, well, yeah, if, if you happened. win the World Series, that, so I think that, that answers – I mean, yeah, that's That's a, the part of the Angels' easy... method that is like, all right, they're trying to win every single year. The issue with that is they've been so bad and it objectively hasn't worked that it's like, meh, maybe we got to change something up. But it's but fine. They're competing. They're, they're four games under 500, though the Angels are in wildcard spot. They're four games behind the division lead. Who knows? Like I said, they have the greatest player possibly of all time in Shohei Otani, and he gets to throw every fifth day. Oh, yeah, and he's going to maybe hit 60 home runs this year. Texas, to... Texas Rangers, by the way. Max Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery, Andrew Heaney, Martin Perez, John Gray, Dane Dunning, Nathan Eovaldi. And that's not without, or that is without, excuse me, Jacob deGrom. Imagine that. Imagine that team right now. That, that team's loaded. I think Rangers are going to the World Series. But going to be a fun deadline. MLB deadline day is my favorite day. I love this. It day. is best. MLB does two things right, and they don't happen on the field. And it is, it is their offseason, and it is their deadlines because the moves happen so feverishly. But, guys, this has been off the bench. I think that's going to wrap it up. We, we did do our cherry on top, so we, we got all the sponsors lined up. I'm going to say one thing to Elliot because he made fun of my my, uh, my cubbies for not making the postseason in 40 years. You do realize that the Cincinnati Reds have not won a, post, a postseason series since 1995. That's when they doubled how many teams made the postseason, and then they added on more teams. So back yeah. back when the Cubs didn't make the postseason, it was because yeah, only two teams made the postseason. Yeah, Reds, now there's about like half the league making it, and the Reds still can't win a postseason Yeah, well, Reds, Reds fans own it. That's the difference. Cubs fans are arrogant, I'll say buttheads, arrogant buttheads, and they act like they haven't been the world's worst franchise for 50 what are the years. What are the Cubs fans' nickname? I don't, I'm not familiar with the verbiage of the Cubs. Lovable losers. See you guys tomorrow, 10 to 12, Cubs off the Steve bench, Bartman. presented by United Dare Farmers. It was fun. We'll see you tomorrow.